The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Oh, yeah! This is the Cigar Authority. Have uh, you any imported cigars? The authority on everything cigar, in and out of the cigar industry. We're on a mission from God. With your host... A jelly donut! David Garofalo. How did it get here? Mr. Jonathan. I hear you, and I care. Barry Stein. I'm going to use my spare glove compartment underwear as a napkin. And Ed Sullivan. They don't have a listing for Mr. Wonderful. What uh, spelling did you use? It's time to light them up. Smoke if you got them. It's time for the Cigar Authority. I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Light them up, light them up, light them up, everybody. Saturday, September 8th, 2018, broadcasting live from the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. And today, he's been on HBO, Showtime, Comedy Central, and even Seinfeld. He's been on the big screen and even in the big house. Not sure of that, but uh, he's most excited about being here on the Cigar Authority because you can smoke. Cigar lover and comedian Tony V joins us oh as my we God. joke and smoke. Oh, my God. It's like this is like heaven to me. Beautiful. You know what I mean? Like if there were pie here, yeah. it would be like we have, would, uh, we we have pie. pie. I see little pies. My what mom, are those? My mom baked uh, little cheesecake pies. Oh, there. I love your mom. She's good. And She's you're fantastic. <laughs> you're listening to The Cigar Authority now in its ninth year, making it the longest continually running cigar podcast Awarded the Ambassadors of Cigars by Cigar Journal Magazine. Awarded the Top 10 Educational Podcast by Podbean four years in a row. The Cigar Authority is the most listened to cigar podcast in the world. Cigar Radio at its finest. The Cigar Authority is a proud member of the United Podcast Network. And you catch the podcast on demand at any time or our daily blog on thecigarauthority.com. So we have Tony V, comedian. First off, let's get to know Tony V. That's that me. is an odd last name, V. It is, yes. It is. <laughs> you know, when I started doing stand-up, uh, and, and let me first say, uh, you know, I am happy to be here because I generally shy away from anything with the word authority in it. Ah. You know what I mean? Even in my, my uh, later years, anything with authority, I go, go, they don't tell me, this- I tell them. You know, but it's great to be here because we can't smoke and uh, and and talk. But uh, you know, yeah, the V came because the first time I ever got uh, did uh, stand up, the MC couldn't say my last name, so he goes, "You're Tony V," and I go, "Okay, that's fine with me." Oh, he did it for yeah. you. Is yeah, he, and he is did he it. Still out there? Yeah, yeah. He he's somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. He's around here somewhere. But that's uh, that's sort of the way it. All it right. went. I used to I used to tell people it was because my parents were alive and I didn't want to drag them down <laughs> right. into this with me. Right. So you know. And as far as cigar smoking, you you are a cigar smoker. I do. I I, I cannot lie about that. Right. I enjoy a cigar. And every been, now and again, which is you, most every uh, you day. You seem to really enjoy smoking around dumpsters, which I don't. <laughs> I don't understand why yeah, that is. I, dumpster fire. The, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, I've never found a dumpster that I w- wasn't comfortable around. Fair enough. Like, you know, you know yeah. what I mean? This, if Here's the thing t- to me. If you can't smoke in a nice place like this, like I think a cigar lounge is really the last civilized thing yeah, on the planet. I agree. I agree. You know what I mean? You're indoors with like-minded people. Who would not give it, you know, because everybody wants to get offended now. Yeah. I was in, I was in New York City uh, about a month ago, right? I had to do a show in New York City. And I'm in public. I'm outside, in the air. I'm not in anybody's face. I try not to offend. Sure. And I light up a cigar because I have minutes to wait. And a woman is not even near me. 
You know, and she starts with the, <laughs> yeah, the and cough. waving, the fake cough and waving. And I go, lady, we're in New York City. Do you realize that within 60 feet of us in every direction, someone's getting sodomized right, right. now? And this is what you're worried about? It's ridiculous. <laughs> and um, that got aggressive real fast. It did. It did. <laughs> Hang on, everybody. So you've been smoking for a long I'm, time? I, I'll temper myself, by the way. Don't worry. You're totally fine. That, you know, you've, yeah. been, you've been doing comedy for a lot of lot, years. Yeah. So you remember the days of going into the comedy room and people are smoking. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I used to be able to smoke a cigar on stage. Wow. And the, the, the last place to give up that. Uh, uh, little nicety was uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Up until about, I'm going to say about 10 or 15 years ago, you could. Okay. You could still smoke. It's a, it was a timing thing, too, right? You yeah. Take, you take a draw on the yeah. cigar. And, and, you, you some know, of the big comedians some, from way back. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, George Burns yeah. comes to mind, you know, yeah. if, you're, if you're old school. And he used, to, he used to talk about smoking cheap cigars. Yeah. Because he would say, if the cigar goes out, so does the act. Ah, you know it. what I mean? So I think he smoked like White Owls yeah, or, yeah. or Dutch Masters or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like stu- something stuffed with newspaper. Well, let's get to smoking cigars anyway. And uh, the So first we can actually do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do it. Um, we're going to smoke the Davidoff Nicaraguan. Tell us about this, Barry. Well, as you mentioned, today's first cigar is the Davidoff Nicaraguan, and it's manufactured in the Dominican Republic by Davidoff Cigars. The size is 5.5 by 54, which is the Robusto. And it features a Nicaraguan Rosado wrapper over Jalapa uh, binder from Nicaragua, with fill is from Cadega, Esteli, and Ometepe in Nicaragua. It is part of the Cigar Authority Care Package. And a like single that. cigar will cost you $15.99, while a box of 12 is $181.99, which is a savings of almost $10 or 5% off the box price at twoguyscigars.com. And if you're too far away from a brick-and-mortar retailer that carries it, Try twoguyscigars.com. That's the number two, guyscigars.com. Okay, it's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand. While all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. Get a little fresh-baked gingerbread right. on the foot. Ah, Take Tony, we really get into this here. I know. We I, smell I, them. We we taste them before we even light them. I know more about uh, this cigar right now than I knew about some of the women I did. There we go. So I we, didn't know their pedigree or where yeah. their leaves came from. <laughs> but I, I like, didn't know any of that. I, I like you only cut a little bit of the head yeah. of it. You know, I'm, can I say this? Yeah. I'm very nervous around you guys. <laughs> you know, I don't get nervous around people, but you guys know your cigars, and I, you know, I just want to stuff something in my mouth and light it. You know what I mean? You but guys, it's funny because Jonathan always wants to stuff something in his mouth. <laughs> no, you're talking about cigars today that are twenty to forty dollars a piece, right? So, so these, let's really pay attention right. to it and get the, the base of the cigar has a aroma to it um the the foot is different aroma to it and now we even take a drawer in the cigar before we even light it to taste it see if it draws really? well which see. reminds me of a lorna dune cookie mm. and that's only because i had one this morning there we go <laughs> maybe you got some stuck in your teeth <laughs> maybe <laughs> you got a little residual lorna dune that that happens every now and again you ever do that wouldn't you yep you're walking around you go yeah it's actually ah, lunch <laughs> ah, dessert <laughs> yeah Ah, I forgot I ate that. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to light our cigar today with the Vertigo Gauntlet. This is a triple jet flighter featuring a single action at the top, an easy adjustment wheel at the bottom, and it has a flip-out bullet punch that will not clog up your fill chamber because it is offset from the fill chamber. There we go. What Vertigo Gauntlet oh. retails for nineteen ninety nine. 
Good deal. Good it is deal. A, I, you know, I even remember, like, last week you guys were lighting the cigars, and I, I go, oh, man, I've been smoking for 30 years and doing it all wrong. You didn't toast it. I didn't toast you go it. Right, right. To lighting it. And you're not supposed to uh, inhale right away, right? You toast it first. Yep. And then... Then you're going to do it. You get it all toasty like a marshmallow. Yeah. Then you're going to draw it, or else it gets all sooty and you're tasting soot. Yeah. Overpowering the subtle taste of the flavors. Now, you may want to hit it. Hit it once with the lighter while you're doing that. And you're good. All right. So, all right, funny man, tell me a joke. All right, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) This guy walks into his guy, Lawrence. (laughs) Do you write? Comedy for people? Uh, I, I have, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've written on shows. Most recently, I wrote on a show called uh, Misfits and Monsters, which is on True TV. My buddy Bobcat Goldthwait uh, was the director of that and producer. So uh, I did a couple of episodes of that. One where I was uh, um, painted blue. Uh, I played Neptune, ah. the, the god of the sea. And uh, I had to have my entire upper body waxed. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if anyone's done that. John, <laughs> Jonathan does on a yeah, regular basis. Yeah, don't. Your entire my, upper body uh, yeah, from waxed. My, from, from, let's delicately call it my bikini area on up. And, and, I, and I expect you to be a hairy man. I'm a very hairy guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm of uh, Italian Portuguese descent. Yeah. So, you know, we're no strangers to the fur yeah. coat under the everything. Uh, so that does, does that pay extra? Uh, well, they paid for me to get waxed. I wasn't doing that voluntarily, no. but you do get you get hazard pay. Yeah. Okay. And then I had to have a fight underwater. Uh, and at the time, uh, when they were waxing me, they put me in a speedo, which is just a crime against humanity. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> you, you know what I mean? A guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is a friend. <laughs> this is a, a, a good buddy of thirty-five years. He's the best of friends. Yeah, I mean, this is the only one who could pull that off. Where you just go, yeah. yeah. And uh, at the time, I don't know why they do this, but they got their speedos from uh, Japan. You know, it was a Japanese company. And Small size. Right. I was a 4X in a Speedo, which, which I think, again, it, there shouldn't be anything, you know, th- that big that's a Speedo. Right. They you shouldn't know, even you shouldn't be not available. Somebody who can fit in that shouldn't be in it. That's right. You know they what I mean? Stop it's at a, the petite size. Right. Exactly. It's it's like when you go to get uh, jeans and they got a size 46 slim fit. No, no, you, yeah, yeah. you don't really, you don't really have a sporties. That's those are two different things. Right. Size forty six and slim fit are for different people. You know, yeah, I the speedo thing really uh, threw me for a loop. It's you know, at some point they should save you from yourself. Right. You know, you go, hey, can I have that bathing suit in my size? And someone should go, no, that's it. No, it, for, you should for, not. For your sake and everybody, everybody else's, else's, you're going to blind people. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's clothing. It's not a sausage casing. Right, you know exactly. what I mean. Just because you can 10 squeeze and five right, pound that's bag, a, right? a blivet. That's right. A, what we used to call a blivet, which is five pounds of stuff in a three pound bag. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this is part of your thing is the storytelling. Yeah, right? that's, that's what, what you, I do. That's what you do as a, as a comedian. You're telling the story. Yeah. So I, I just did. A, we opened a club the other night uh, at the. The comedy studio moved from Cambridge to Somerville, Massachusetts, and I had done their first show 20 years ago when they were in Cambridge, and so they asked me to do their first show in this new place, and I was done, and there was a lot of the younger comics, you know, some who were 
hadn't even been born when I started doing mm. comedy and stuff. And they go, you make it look, you know, you, you just tell them the story. You know, the, wh- whatever part of my life I'm in, that's the story I'm telling. But there's, you know, there's gags in the middle. There's joke, joke. Has, the has there been a, a, a story you told at the beginning of your career that you're still using? Or this evolves into it wouldn't even play out? Uh, no, I mean, I try to keep uh, moving things around. There's not anything. I mean, I have a pretty standard opening that I think I've been doing for forever, which is, you know, uh, Please pardon my parents, but this is what I look like. <laughs> you know, and that's that's that you warm know, up. That's the warm. You know, that you that will let me know what the audience is gonna. All right. Uh, Did they then, find that funny? Okay. They mostly, yeah. I go if they find that funny, then I I think I'll be fine. If it's tepid, I go like, oh, I'm gonna have to do some work here. <laughs> All yeah. right. You ever, yeah. You ever have a story or or a bit that you you just know in your heart of hearts is funny? And you go out and it just falls flat. And do you just let it go at that point? Or do you try to rework that the next time you're up and hone it? Yeah, I <clears throat> I think that's changed as, uh, you know, I've gone along uh, a little bit. Because, like, when you're not secure enough, if you do something and it falls flat. And look, in my early career, I bombed more than anybody. Because I think there's a way I do comedy that's the way I do it. I don't care what anybody else thinks, you know. And so early on, when you're trying to get your footing, you know, it's 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 you're slugging it out, you know, in the trenches every night. And then if you're not confident enough, you will throw something away that you know is funny, but you go, I can't suffer the pain yeah, of I'm people not just, do it. <laughs> just staring at me for 20 minutes. I got I got to imagine you know the, I mean? t- the toughest thing in the world would be a comedian on stage with yourself. You got nothing. It's just you, the mic between you and the crowd, and they're not connecting to you. Oh, my God. They would, I would oh, want to yeah. crawl into a hole. It, it's got to be the toughest thing. Right. It is, I mean, it, the, the, because you have no, there's no armor. You know, music, there's a band, and you could be playing for each other. Right. You, you know, you barely know the audience is there. You know, if you're just doing a monologue. You don't need the desired re- uh, response of which is laughter. That's why yeah. you're there. But it never goes away. You're only as good as your last set. Right. You know, I recently did a show, and this is about a month ago, <clears throat> and I hadn't had a, a night like this in years. I was vacationing. Somebody asked me to do a show in a small club, you know, uh, like 20 minutes from where I was. And I go, yeah, it'd be fine. And it was not, I mean, it was not easy at all. I had this drunk woman started dancing in the middle of my show. And then people start telling me their life story. I don't mind her. She had the worst day of her life. Her boyfriend left her. I go, then why are you here? Why? why, She's here to drink. She didn't expect a comedy show, right? right, right. Why aren't you home crying? Right. (laughs) You know? You're supposed to eat ice cream now. Now you're going to make me cry. But it was awful. I mean, and people were heckling. And, you know, you don't get that a whole lot. And you you were a one-man show. There wasn't another comedian. The there, floor, there, there was someone in front of me. He had okay. just as hard a time, uh, but I was closing the show. You know, I was the headliner, uh, and and you know, I mean, you make it work. I started, I started goofing on them, and and you know, that's what they wanted. But you know, at some point, you just want to do your act and go about your business. Yeah, is the warm up guy there to to save you? I mean, get them warmed up really. Well, I mean, that you know, that's the way a show goes. You know, an, an audience. Uh, needs to know they're an audience. And, uh, you know, until something happens, it's just a group of people sitting in the same place, staring at an empty stage. Yeah. You know, and then then once the show, you know, starts going, if you have a good MC, 
he'll get them in the mood, and then the next guy will, you know, start the train rolling, and then by the time you get there, they're warmed up and ready to and go. And you are that guy for music acts. Yeah, I've opened for just about it. I, yeah, I've, I see the list, my yeah, God. I sang with the Beach Boys or, or did when they were called the Endless Summer Band, which is the remnants of the Beach Boys. Okay. But, you know, we, we got along really well, and I, I opened for them. And uh, they go, hey, you want to come up and sing Little Deuce Coop? And I go, who wouldn't? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, why, no wouldn't, why wouldn't I? <laughs> Bob Rand, I'm right there, man. Yeah. Give me the tambourine. Oh, my you know, God. Get, um, <laughs> so you yeah. get to do things. Yeah. Awesome. I've, I've had a lot of great experiences like that. Like I remember once opening for the Beach Boys and uh, John Stamos okay. was the drummer. You know, the young yeah. guy, for, you know, and <laughs> it was just so weird. You know, it's all these Beach Boys have been around forever. Then John Stamos is this good-looking, hunky yeah. guy that a bunch of secretaries had come to see and whatever. And I'm just walking backstage. I don't never met the guy. I just look at him and go, explain yourself. Right. How you, you doing here? Right. What's going on? I, I and he says, what are you doing what are you, here? Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, luckily he had seen my set and it went well. And we started chatting and stuff. But, you know, he was telling me that, uh, you, you know, they, uh, his parents used to hang around with the Beach Boys and they were always at the house and all and all of that. Okay, so your parents. Yeah. What did they think you said, I'm going to be a comedian? I mean, did oh, you hate come it. Out? No, I hated it. You know, my mother was, you know, uh, not even for, she was born in Italy, came over very young, you know, grew up here, yeah. but was born there. And my dad was, you know, first generation only child. And so this was completely foreign to them because when I started doing stand-up, there wasn't, it wasn't a job. You know, it was just something an idiot tried because all they knew was, you know, Jose Menace and whoever was on the yeah. Ed Sullivan show. Right. And they go, you don't do that. You know, so my mother worked at a bank and she kept a job open for me for oh, nice. 30 years. That's wow. constant. Just was in a, case. For 30 years, she kept the Something job. Something secure. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> just in case. You always have a place at the bank. I go, Ma, people don't want me touching their money. Yeah. Trust me. So the first time they came to see you do it? Yeah, the first time I opened years ago, I opened for uh, Buddy Rich, okay. the drummer. Yeah. And my dad was a huge fan of his. And so I brought my dad to see me open for Buddy Rich at the old Jonathan Swift's, yeah. which then in Harvard Square, which then became uh, Catch a Rising Star. And I thought this is this is you know when you're young and yeah. I know, my dad's gonna see me open for Buddy Rich. He loves Buddy Rich, blah blah blah. And so I think like maybe I'll get to meet Buddy Rich and stuff like that. I don't even think he was in the city when I was on. Wow. You know what I mean? And uh, all I hope for is my I'm standing backstage in this little corridor with my dad and buddy rich comes walking one way and i'm done and we're walking the other way and he literally punches me in the show he goes hey they told me you were good they told you nice. yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah they told me you were good <laughs> and they just kept walking i go dad that's buddy rich right there that's it. there he goes you know so did, did that change his mind about you being a comedian yeah i mean it, you know as you as you you know as you get a little bit of success it it changes their mind uh, a little bit. You know, I had a run of like sitcoms in the uh, early 90s, you know, where I, where I did Seinfeld. I did a thing called The Single Guy. Uh, I did a, a show on HBO. I had a, a small pilot called Fenway. You know, so you'd get these little things. And then to be real. And then it's real. Yeah. You know. Who uh, really invented the umbrella twirl? Did they tell you? Teddy Padalec down on uh, 43rd and uh, Broadway. There we go. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. And that was him. Catch that that show and yeah. you, you'll see uh, him Me on Me twirling there. my umbrella. That's yeah. it. And uh, so you're doing it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, 
your son wants in. My son? You know, this is the, the, the bad part about doing well, is your kids see it, and they go, well, I guess it is a viable way to make yeah, a my, living. My dad worked you know? in the post office. I right. said, I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So my son, yeah, so my son showed a, a you know, a early liking for writing and stuff like that, and I thought that was his passion. You know, he's a great writer. He writes a gag, and he's going to Emerson, and then all of a sudden he started doing stand-up. You know, without telling me. Wow. You know, it wasn't like, hey, Dad, can I tag along? I just, you know, I'd go to an open mic night or something like that, and they go, hey, your son was here last night. I go, wait, 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 wait. No kidding. Yeah, and so he's been doing, he's been doing okay. He did a show last night, and, you know, I brought him with me to uh, Seattle to open for me. Does, does uh, he want to hear your input ago. to it? Yeah, we talk about all right, comedy great. all the time. I mean, we talk about gags all the time. Yeah. And it's funny to see, uh, you know, generationally how, how things awesome. are different. So a second-generation comedian, does yeah. that happen? Uh, I don't know. And it's not like we're going to put out a... A shingle, Vian son. You know, what I mean? <laughs> it, it could be, a, it could be, it could be a sitcom or something. Right. Two comedians right. living in the same but, house. Yeah. Can they get along? What happens? You here? know, what was really funny though. He when, when he started doing it, he said, "You know, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to use V. I'm going to use our last name because I don't want people to, you know, think I'm trading on the V." And the same thing happened to him. He shows up at an open mic night. They can't say our last name. And now he's Gus V. Okay. Isn't it yeah. just Viveros? It's Viveros. Viveros? Yeah. Viveros. All right. But it's the, you know, it's the, the Portuguese. Remember DJ, DJ Hazard? DJ Hazard. Just saw DJ the other night. It was Hanard when I we used to go Dennis, to comedy clubs. Dennis J. Hanard. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's who he was. Yeah. And then maybe they had a problem with that. I don't yeah. know how that yeah. happened. No, Hazard he's seems nuts. funnier. Right. He's nuts. And he wanted his name to be Hazard. Because yeah. he is a Hazard. Because he's a Hazard. <laughs> Right. So I'm the, he opened uh, this club with us the other night. And I, I don't get to see DJ a, a lot, but he's still he, he's still very funny. So people are listening from all over the United States, all over the world, listen to this show because they're into cigars. But Boston in the 80s, early 80s, was the mecca of comedy. And to break into that with the people that ended up making it through it, and here you are still there. Yeah, I mean. Wow. You know, I was just telling some. We, I did a, a, a another podcast with Robert Kelly, guy from Medford, <clears throat> who's doing very well for himself, as well. And we, you know, people are interested in the history. And what people don't realize was Boston was the first place outside of New York and L.A. that that you could be a viable comedian. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like we were making a living in the '80s when nobody else was. There was enough comedy there was clubs, enough, enough there nights. There were clubs everywhere, yeah. and a lot of it had to do with geographical uh, loc- your location. Because if if you go an hour in any direction from Boston except east, you know you're in another state. Yeah. So New Hampshire had a comedy club. Rhode Island had a couple of comedy clubs. You know, Vermont. We'd go to Burlington routinely. You know, because every town want you could go on a little up. mini tour. Yeah, you'd go, and and not be more than an hour and a half or two from home. Right. You know, so uh, so it it sprung up at one time. There were about a hundred and thirty working comics wow. in Boston. People started coming from all over the country, and some of them went national, and went yes. to California. Did you ever try it? Do you ever go to California? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had a uh, I had a place in New York, and then. I was out in L.A. for a little time. I always kept my place in Boston because I didn't want to raise my kids anywhere other than Boston. Yeah. Like, I think New York is the filthiest place on the planet. And how people live there. And, you know, people go, oh, the crime rate. You know, people killed like every three days. I go, I'm surprised it's not every three minutes. Yeah. Right. 
You know what I mean? It's like ants crawling on an apple over yeah. there. I mean, you're never more than six feet away from people. There's ten, and it's it's sort of moist and goopy all the time. Yeah. You know, I went uh, last week. I went to see Springsteen on Broadway. You know, and uh, I'm walking through Times Square afterwards with my son. We're going, and I ended up wet. I I just had moisture. On my back of my shirt. I go, did I lean on anything? Did anybody touch me? I just, it just comes from the air, right? just You're just damp and, and, and everything's sort of viscous. Yeah, and people come from all you know, over to do it. I don't get it. I don't get it. But, but it's I, where the business is, where I, the money yeah, is. That's right? what it is. You know, that's I have right. a daughter. You know, we, we dropped my daughter off uh, at a college there uh, a couple weeks ago. She didn't get in anywhere. We just dropped her off. <laughs> nice. Yeah. We, we're hoping for the. She's very resourceful. Yeah. She's very resourceful. Do good, honey. We, we suspect Love she'll find yeah. something. There's a lot of colleges in New York. One's going to let her in. Yeah. Uh, but no, she's going to a place called the New School. So, you know, I've been fighting every excuse I can to get down to the city to right. make sure she's all right. But I hate I, I really hate it. No comedy for her. Uh, no, she wants to act, though. Okay. You know, you know, the, she got the other side of it, and she's pretty good. So right. we'll see how that goes. So and that's then, being around you. Yeah, yeah, and then I was out in L.A. for a time. I, uh, uh, when I, I started writing on a show called Bobcat's Big Ass Show, which was uh, FX's first uh, foray into, you know, uh, original programming. Yeah. It was a game show in the 90s. Oh. And uh, we started a lot of trends. Uh, one of the things I invented was, you know, it was a game show, and in game shows you never you never used to see what happened to the losers. You know, they'd always just go away. Yeah. So we invented this thing where we'd torture them. Ah. Like if you lost, you'd have to like lick my sweat, <laughs> or, or or clean between my toes, you know, <laughs> with a Q-tip, you know, and stuff like that. So they would cut to the losers, just making them do these horrible things. I remember I was on a treadmill. Eating a can of beans with a hose attached exactly the way you might think. Expect. Yeah, and, and they're in a gas mask. You know, that was. <laughs> I'm not saying it was highbrow. It didn't I'm catch just on saying. It didn't catch we, on. We, did, we did 160 episodes. Oh, my God. We did 100, 160 episodes. So that's out there somewhere. It's out there somewhere. It's called Bobcat's Big Ass Show. And it I got to say. It's on YouTube. Yeah, it's very, it was very inventive. And they just let us run with it. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> one time, the only time we ever got in trouble is they cut to us one time in the torture room or you know what we we called it and i'm just standing there with a breakaway bottle and i go hey i couldn't think of anything clever to do so i'm just gonna smack this woman over the head with a bottle <laughs> and i crack her over the head and she sold it big time it was a breakaway bottle. Oh, all right. it was okay. a stunt bottle all right you know but but they had to put that's when they started putting disclaimers you know please don't try this at home these are professionals such as they are right. you know this don't have don't ever smack anyone with a bottle it's not nice <laughs> all right i got time i'm gonna try to squeeze this in we got a letter from the mailbag um when humor goes too far and you're the perfect person. I hung on to this knowing you were going to come on the show. So it's a, actually a letter to me that was sent privately to me. And I'm going to leave the name out because it was a private letter to me and okay. not something to add here. But I want your input on it. And it uh, is when, when does humor go too far? So, sir, the reason I'm writing to you is it has nothing to do with you personally. It's about Barry Stein. That's the guy over to your <laughs> this right. This guy. 
I know that he's part of your organization at some level and that he has a lot to do with your social media media marketing and programming. He is in his own disgusting way may think <laughs> it's funny to put up posts about the deaths of celebrities and always adding the tagline pound too soon question mark. And even more saddening is when somebody passes away by suicide. It's almost as if he takes some form of perverse pleasure by trying to be funny. I've made a couple of comments to him about his post, and because of his savvy computer programming kind of person, he always finds a way to remove the posts and comments. I even privately messaged him once and asked him to stop and think about the moment about the magnitude of the words and how sad, pain people, certain people are, obviously not him, may feel about a certain person passing away. He laughed it off as a big joke and asked and said that he knows that he's going to burn in hell and that, True. I, should yes, get, I, will. And that I should get a life. <laughs> and he should. I'm with if, you so far, Barry. All right. If I ever have an employee making insensitive comments or even their own private social media pages that I knew that could potentially have a negative effect on my business, I should by all means talk to that person and find a resolve. I know that you're not uh, the guy's father or someone who could possibly make him stop doing what he's doing. It's his freedom of speech. But I have every right to block, delete him, uh, even though I know he's still out there making these regrettable remarks. It's hurting folks. I guess I would hope that he would, he could be made to understand that death, especially suicide, is nothing to make fun of. And this is what it'll get to. I see some other folks laughing at his post, and, and I am sure that they think he's the funniest guy in the world. But also, I see people making comments like mine and find the jokes that aren't funny at all and that um, you know that it adversely affects your business. Maybe not all, but one day the com is going to bite Mr. Stein right in the ass and make his own personal tragedy hit his family, and I doubt very much that he'll find it funny. Thanks for your time, sir. I do love your posts, especially when they involve cigars and donuts. But the guy's <laughs> following me on social media. The right. question is, can death be funny is this okay to do would you like a couple examples yeah why wouldn't i so let's, a, let's let's piss this guy off some more sure so when aaron hernandez <laughs> let's let's just poke him a little, a little bit, bit. Gonna poke the best. Sure. so aaron hernandez well, killed well, himself i yeah. put latest nfl injury report aaron hernandez <laughs> neck out indefinitely funny. hashtag too soon <laughs> Vern troya passed away oh yeah I hear the services will be short sure, true. hashtag sure. too soon sure Anthony Bourdain died. Yeah. Guess he actually had a reservation. <laughs> Hashtag too soon. I did, well, and the Burt Reynolds one I yeah, showed you earlier. That was nice in the casket with the little eagle on it. Sure. <laughs> well, you know, isn't it? I, let me start by saying this. Isn't it funny how uh, people get reverent about people when they die? You know what I mean? Oh, like, you weren't thinking about Burt Reynolds until yeah. he died. Right. So now all of a sudden it's like, oh, no. And he was the greatest ever. Uh, right. It's the last time you watched right. one of his movies. Right. Right? Listen, I just have, I think I might have killed him because I just watched Smokey and the Bandit <laughs> with, my, with my son about a week ago. You know, because my son had never seen it. He's 20. And just for, for Gleason, for Jackie Gleason's. Mm. Uh, uh, Sheriff <laughs> Buford T. Justice. Which some, I guess, he made up right there and there. I, I, it mostly ad-libbed. Wow. Uh, from, what, from what we gather. And, uh, abs I mean, it's the, you know, it's the, it's the Southern Sheriff that everybody does now. Yeah. You know, and it was a great movie. And then I, I literally, the day he died before it was announced, put up a post that, uh, you know, um, Mad Max Fury Road 
was just a steampunk version of Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, and it really was. And I caught heat for that. Wow. You know, the, now all of a sudden people are reverent about, you know, Smokey and the Bandit. Are, are you kidding me? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's like... They're not real right, people. Right. Yeah. Right. Like I, just, like I just kicked Shakespeare in the ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's Smokey and the Bandit. Come on, man. It's, it, it's entertainment. I've got one for you, Barry, when you finally uh, meet your uh, your demise. I'm, I'm assuming it's a heart attack. That's the one I have written. Yeah. Okay. And it'll be a, it turns out Barry Stein actually does have a heart. Hashtag too soon. That's awesome. That's, that, now that's a the, fine tribute. It, it right is. I, that's what I would want. That. Uh, and that's what you can say. You he know, would want this. Yeah. You know, I have taken uh, to, uh, bef- before every show, or when I start a show now, just because I'm aging, you know, in front of people, I'll go, look, the only thing I need people to know is that at no point during the night will I pretend to have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> this is real, Right, folks. right. So if I fall... Don't laugh for 10 seconds going, oh, boy, is he committed to this little physical piece of humor. No, no. Take your phones out, turn them back on, and call somebody. You know, this is real. But Giant, this is I, real. I got another one for you. Barry Stein died. Instead of pole bearers, they'll be using forklifts. <laughs> Hashtag too soon. Too soon. So but, there's another one for you. But, you know, I, I, here's what I think. I think death is a, a, a very personal thing. You know what I mean? And that the people who should grieve should be grieving. But why would it shouldn't mean that much to the rest they, of they us? They shouldn't be on Barry's social media feed right. at that moment right. or at a comedy club. Or at a comedy club, right. Like, that's not where you go get your relief. You, that's for friends and family. Yeah. And I don't think that anything is sacred. If you could find funny in it. I, I, Even I at funerals, people, you're telling jokes about or the funny story you remember about the deceased right. and you're getting people to laugh. Right. La- laughter is part of the grieving process. Yeah, it's what, one of the steps. What happened at nine eleven? Right, right. The crash happens. It happens in New York. Right. There's comedy clubs there. They had to open, right? Eventually, yeah. yeah they Saturday took a Night Live had to start yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. And Play. then what do you say? Plays went dark make believe, for a little bit. Make believe like it didn't it happen. It didn't happen. Right. Or do, you, or do you try to? Right, right. You know, there's a very funny uh, uh, thing. Uh, thing. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried was doing a show shortly thereafter and started making. 9-11 jokes, yeah. and people were really not, you know, happy about it. Too soon. Too soon. Yeah. I mean, it was like literally like <laughs> a week later. Soon. Right, right. And then he then he just goes into this filthy joke called the aristocrats to save himself, <laughs> you know, and it, and it happened because it distracted them enough because this joke is just filthy. And there's a whole movie based on it. If you've not seen it, it's called The Aristocrats, and, uh, it, and it deals with this very thing. I'm going to have to see it. There's yeah. this one joke that just goes on and on forever, and it's not a great joke, but everybody has their own spin on telling it. And it, and it can go on for 10 minutes, and then, you know, and, and the punch, I won't ruin the punchline, but right. if, you, if you have a second, check out The Aristocrats. It was right. made by Paul Provenza, and it, and it goes through this whole thing, and they actually have this clip of... Of uh, Gilbert eating it <laughs> in chunks <laughs> and then saving himself with this very yeah. filthy <laughs> joke. Tony, sometimes Gilbert goes too far and then he can't be a duck anymore. No, right? Now, right? Well, he he did it again with yeah. the with the tsunami in Japan. Disney doesn't like it. No, no. yeah, he did, he did something about it. You're looking for a date, she'll float by any moment. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know, and people were like, ah, oh. you know, but he, that's but comedy. That's what it's about. Is to make it's you a find release. A, yeah, it's a, something it's, that's bad yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, I was in I was in New York on. Uh, September 11, 2001. I was doing a show with a buddy, my buddy Todd English, okay. who runs a bunch of restaurants. Sure. And he was getting the uh, um, 
yeah, from Bon Appetit magazine. He was getting some award, and you could have anybody you want present you this award. You know, it's, and it's all these famous chefs, Alain Ducasse and all these people, and it's a very snooty affair, and he wanted to shake it up a little bit. And bring you. And bring me. Wow. And so I was just, and I, w- I had a... Yeah, there was a restaurant there called Le Cirque. I don't know if you've heard I've of this. It. Yeah, it's like it. the swankiest restaurant in the world. And I had a pizza delivered from Domino's <laughs> in the middle <laughs> on of the stage. On the, yeah, in the middle of this thing to all these people, right? And I'm talking to the maitre d, Alphonse, you know, a very like th- this broom couldn't have been stuck any far up this man's butt. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? If if he tried to if he tried to bow, he'd crack something, you know. <laughs> So I'm going, they go, well, you got to clear it with Alphonse. And I go, yeah, no problem. And I'm going, hey, Alphonse, I'm going to have a pizza delivered. He goes, very good, sir. (laughs) And I go, no, yeah, yeah. He goes, "Uh, I'm going to call Domino's at a certain time. He goes, yes, sir. Uh, whenever you'd like your pizza delivered. I go, yeah, it's a timing thing. He goes, yes, perhaps I'll wiggle my nose or twitch my ears. You know, so I go, Alphonse, it's a gag. It's funny, you know, and he goes, Yes, sir. It's very funny. <laughs> he never cracked. Yeah, he never cracked. I, and then we did it, and it was it was hysterical. And then the the poor, the kid from Domino's comes in, and he's handing out pizza to all these people that just ate like a a thousand dollar meal. Right. Right. And. So Todd Inglis looks at me and goes, what are you doing? I go, I didn't know it was going to be this good. I go, you know, these guys could be resting on their laurels or hacks. I don't know any better. So then I get the kid on stage. I go, kid, you know a joke? He goes, yeah. So I get the kid Uh-oh. on stage. He starts telling this dirty joke. And I take his hat and I pass the hat to get him a tip. Oh, my God. With all these rich people. It's awesome. The New York Times was there. Every, yeah. it was Made $30,000. Right, yeah, it was just insane. And he got a $300 tip. Oh, nice. Because I'm, I'm walking around going, hey, come on, you cheapskate. <laughs> you guys, no one speaks to me that way. I go, they do now. There we go. Yeah, yeah shook it up. <laughs> right. Wrong guy in the room. Yeah, it was great. Who's different than that? All right, what do you think of this? You're smoking the Davidoff cigar yeah, as it, we're doing this? Yeah, it's great. All right. It's re- I, you know, I'm a big fan of the Nicaraguans. I knew that, and that's why yeah. we did Davidoff yeah, Nicaraguan. Because yeah. Davidoff is a Dominican cigar. This time, they, we, in they the Dominican, went, no, they used all Nicaraguan Oregon, tobacco to yeah. make this. And this is their version of a Nicaraguan yeah. cigar, which is different than a regular Nicaraguan cigar. It's more it's fancy. Fan- yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little lighter yeah, than elegant. most Nicaraguans. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, it's, it's very smooth. Okay. Yep, I'll note, give you that. Getting notes of unsalted cashews, a little bit of cedar and oak. I'm with you on the All right, I'll give cedar you that. and oak. Here's a question for you guys. Yeah. When do you take the band off? Yeah, you're Usually ready. when you yeah, when you get close. When you get close to you it. You start to feel the heat, right. the, glue, it's, it's the glue warm starts enough. to crack. All right. right, let's take a break. When we come back, what was the first Tony V cigar that he ever smoked? And a funny story to go along with it, hopefully. He'll make it up if there isn't. There's a funny story and a joke about, is there a funny joke in, about cigars that I could use at a later date? Uh, we're live at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. There was a time when cigars were the hallmark of elegance and success. In this time gone by, the aficionado would revel in opening a beautiful box, only to find their favorite celebratory smoke emblazoned with a heritage-laden band. It's time to put the bundle down and travel back to this golden age. 
for your voyage, may we humbly suggest the only cigar worthy of being packaged in a handmade marble box. Berlin Wall Series from Hammer and Sickle. Live well. Romeo San Andreas by Romeo y Julieta. The Romeo y Julieta love story with a bold and modern twist. America's favorite love story takes on a modern zeal with this A.J. Fernandez collaboration. Romeo San Andreas by Romeo y Julieta, crafted in Esteli, Nicaragua, is a contemporary take on the rich and robust profile of the Romeo by Romeo collection. This exceptional premium offering employs an aged San Andreas wrapper, considered one of the most flavorful leaves used in today's premium cigar market. Handcrafted in Nicaragua by cigar master A.J. Fernandez, full-flavored, dressed in a stunning San Andreas wrapper, rich in bold profile with notes of dark chocolate, spice, and licorice, and available in four sizes, Robusto, Toro, Pyramid, and Short Magnum, competitively priced under $10. Romeo San Andreas by Romeo y Julieta. The Romeo y Julieta love story with a bold and modern twist. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number no. 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper. Fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the Diamond Crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium diamond crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or diamond crown lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co., or visit diamondcrown.com. I want to talk to you today about my friend Glenn Case from Christoph Cigars. I've known him for many years. Glenn is a very nice guy, one of the nicest guys in the industry. Always friendly, always happy. So when I heard his brand Christoph was pissed off, I was surprised. Christoph Cigars have always been known as smooth and rich, and the pissed off Christoph is just that. But there's something else happening here. A natural San Andreas wrapper, the binder, Indonesian, and the filler, Nicaraguan. And like Glenn Case, the cigar starts off sweet, but then it gets pissed off. And like Bruce Banner, you don't want to piss off Glenn Case about Christoph cigars. Or do you? Expect some spins and a nicotine kick. Strap yourself in for a ride. Pissed off Christoph is deceivingly strong. You've been warned. Sold in 10-count boxes, four sizes including Churchill, 6x60, Robusto, and Corona Gorda. The hottest new brand is the pissed-off Kristoff. Take it for a ride. Since 1964, Padron Cigars have had the same mission. With over 50 years spent to create a perfect cigar, and more than 100 years to create a perfect legacy, the Padron family understands the significance of time. Padron delivers only the finest handmade complex cigars with the flavor of the Cuban heritage, out of which the Padron recipe was born. The Padron mission is simple. 
simple, exceptional quality of their cigars and not the quantity produced. As a vertically integrated family-owned company, personal attention to every detail is taken in all steps of the tobacco growing and cigar making process. Padron Cigars, they give you, the cigar smoker, the confidence that each cigar is the same. Perfect. Padron Cigars, handcrafted since 1964. I want to tell you about my friend Hochi Blanco, a fourth-generation Dominican cigar maker known for growing tobacco and producing highly acclaimed cigars for other people. If some things stay the same, other things have to change. Finally, Hochi's factory, Tobacalera Palmer, has produced the cigar that not only belongs to the factory, but pays homage to the cigar rolling room known as La Galera. The La Galera Connecticut blend is special, using an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper surrounding a Dominican blend of Piloto Cubano, Criollo 98, and a varietal that Hochi named T112. With the exception of the wrapper, Hochi grows all of the La Galera tobaccos himself and carefully watches over every step. The flavor smooth, but still offering plenty of flavor in all sizes, paying homage to the people and tools used in the factory. Now for the amazing part. La Galera, Connecticut has a suggested retail price ranging from $4.95 to $6 and has been awarded the Cigar of the Year by the Cigar Authority. La Galera, Connecticut, creating their own version of the Connecticut cigar because they demand more. Hi, this is Brian Charles, living in Bangkok, Thailand, Mr. Jonathan's favorite city. And you're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. It's because he lives in Bangkok. We're back live from Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, right above Two Guys Smoke Shop. With us, Tony V, the comedian. That guy sounded like he liked saying Bangkok too much. <laughs> he liked it. Like that whole thing was just so he could say Bangkok. That was it. It's quite, I think that's why he lives there. Yeah. This Wednesday, uh, Two Guys Smoke Shop celebrating their 33rd anniversary, and we're doing it by coincidentally, and I knew nothing about this and I had nothing to do with it, <laughs> we're giving away a 1978 Smokey and the Bandit Trans Am this Wednesday, and Tony, I'll tell you, um, we, we saw- Sweet the, ride. Yeah, great. Great car. A uh, lot of balls to it. Yeah, it's yeah. It's an awesome, but we got the most- identical we possibly could of the Smoky Bandit with the T-tops and black with the eagles on and the whole bit. So I had a golf tournament actually yesterday, Cigar Association in New Hampshire. Thanks everybody to help support that awesome. golf tournament yesterday. Uh, but at it, um, knowing that um, Smokey and the Bandit, we, we just had a loss with uh, Burt Reynolds passed away. Uh, you got anything on that, Barry? Too soon? Anything? Well, there's a whole bunch of them. Okay. That's you know, I think his funeral procession should be a cannonball run. There we go. All right. Come uh, on. Come on back. Come yeah. on back. Come some, on back. Some a bitch. So, um, I'm going to get that some bitch. People were coming up to me and saying, I got an idea for you. Right. And I said, what do you got? And they said, you got to do this. As you walk into, and we had you at an anniversary Yeah, I did. Back. You were giving away like a 38 caddy the okay. year I was there. Yeah. Right. So as you walk into the Burroughs Function Hall, there's a long hallway when you walk into it. Really elaborate, nice looking thing. Right. They said, you need to get a black casket. <laughs> put the eagle on the casket. Have the kneeling thing. Yeah. And do it. And I'm like, I don't know. It's a horrible, horrible idea. <laughs> Out of respect. No. 
I'm just picturing the guy that wrote that letter sitting at his computer with his head on fire. Yeah. No, you know? that's, that would be considered the dick move of dick moves. You can't do it that. It wouldn't be a respectful thing. And no. have a little chuckle to it. No. And a little fun with giving away the car. It's right outside the door. I suspect if you're giving someone a car, you can get away with anything. I think, I personally think that it's funny. And I would not be butthurt about it. But someone somewhere, we're, we already have a target on our back with cigars. Right. Somebody somewhere is going to find that offensive because that's the time that we live in. But somebody said there's no such thing as bad publicity. No, right. I Look disagree. At, yeah. No, I, I think they're, if they're talking about you, they're talking about you. People you are know? lighting Nikes on fire. That's not selling extra Nikes. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, Reebok, you gotta Reebok, some- Reebok's going to sell a lot of sneakers <laughs> when someone has to replace their shoes. I think Nike is doing a great job of at least embracing it. They're not hiding from it. Yeah. it they actually posted a thing about how to burn your Nikes. Oh, nice. <laughs> like they had a step-by-step, <laughs> stand five feet away from them, make sure you're downwind, <laughs> use the proper lighter fluid. It was just, it was very I mean, so for whatever it is, and I'm not taking sides anywhere, but, the, you know, they are embracing what they, they – they're in it. They're in it 100%. Where do you stand on uh, you personally or even if you want, don't want to bring that in, but just comics in general bringing their politics up on stage? Well, let me say this. It used to be – it used to be way more accepted. You know what I mean? But we're in such a polarized uh, time now. That you can't even broach the subject at a comedy club really? without 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 like literally watching the room like the Red Sea part. You no know what kidding. I mean? Like it's, people leave. People leave. Even those of us that voted for George the Second. Yes, we knew he was an idiot. So when someone made fun of him, it was almost like he's our guy. He, he was part we of can it. make fun right, of him, right, and he was in right, on the joke. Right. But now it is so polarized. It's. I mean, I've never I've never witnessed a time like this. In all my years of doing stand-up. And I think also that, you know, the late-night shows are so adept at doing that now, you know, that by the time it gets to a club, it's old. You know what I mean? But there was an incident last uh, two years ago at Comics Come Home, the uh, thing at the Boston Garden, where Wanda Sykes... I uh, had her political view. Yeah, she was strong and, there for and a while. And you could, f- the, you know, the building w- was shaking with rage. And then uh, Nikki DiPaolo came up after her with sort of the other side of it. And then the other side oh. started, and it was it was tense. <laughs> not I mean, a good idea. Not right? a great idea. I mean, you know, people get to do it. Kathy Griffin, do. is that, right, is that Kat, killer career? Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think she suffered a little bit. She's, she seems to be coming back All now. Right. But, I mean, it, it's the other thing, like with the Nike thing. Uh, if, you, if you're savvy enough, you know that if half the people hate you, the other half is going to automatically like you. You know what I mean? Just because they don't want to be told it doesn't what to make, do. It doesn't make the joke any funnier, doesn't, though. It doesn't make the joke funnier or not funnier. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, again, it depends on your slant. If, if you like the target, you're going to try to defend it somehow. If you don't like the target, you go, oh, it's fair game. You know, it's... So is it, is it fair to say the comedian needs to be a psychiatrist a bit? Oh, that's what we are. That's what we are. You've got to figure out the psyche of an entire group of people and how to entertain them. I, you know, I, if I suffer anything on stage, it's because I believe that, you know, my first job is to entertain people. What my political thoughts are or religious thoughts or anything else is secondary. Yeah. If I come up with something that I think I can make funny, then, then I will. You know what I mean? But uh, I, I really can't tell you how palpable 
the feeling of you can you can hear people's butt cheeks slap together if you bring up politics. It, it's like it's just like when you go, oh boy, this is gonna be this is gonna be a tough five minutes. That's a thing not yeah. to talk about now. I mean, yeah. at one point. It, Drugs was a big thing to talk about. It becomes right. the different things as time went on. Right, right. It, the, it, it, they got the early accepted. 80s you started this. Yeah, we started in the early 80s, and, yeah. and there was nothing. So there were no rules for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember getting in a pant load of trouble when uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. died. Remember the yeah, guy? He, in, the, in the plane. In the plane. And, they, and it was a simple joke, right? Uh, they brought out the Navy to look for him. You know, I go, you guys have really upped the ante on looking for people who you presume are dead. Like, if that were my wife, yeah. she'd go, hey, he's not behind the couch. I guess he's dead. Right. You know what I mean? They wouldn't have the, the Navy scouring the oceans for my remains. She'd go, well, he hasn't been home in 12 hours. I guess he's dead. Let's move on with our life. In Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. And I did it, like, the day after, and I got such hate mail. It was There was an article in the paper and the whole, and the whole thing. And I thought, and in my head, it was a simple little joke about, a, you know, a, 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 a figure that was out in public. Right. So fair game. It's not like I was, you know, trolling. But there are no rules. But There's there no are book. no rules. You, you can get away with what you can get away with. That's the other thing. And do you talk to each other and says, oh, don't do this because yeah. I did that. Oh, I, right. Or do you think yeah, I could get away with that? And I go, look, Sam, what you just said, I think it's funny, but that audience is going to. And what audience did you get that right. night? Same place, different audience. Yeah, different audience. And, and they were not having it. I mean, that, you know, there was. So yeah. interesting. It's a psychological whole thing. Yeah. I mean, they, I don't know. Did they write books on this thing? The psych of, of a comedian psyching out the audience? Oh, and, this stuff goes back, you know, years and years to, you know, philosophy about it and about, you know, the, the collective consciousness and what's okay, you know, to the general public. And it, it, it really is a psychology to, you know, to get things And across. you have a little bit of background in that. Yeah, I... I I was working uh, on my MSW, my Masters of Social Work, when I started doing stand. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I, I was uh, I was working at a mental health center and uh, working at it, folks. Working, wasn't part of yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It was working there. Yeah, uh, but uh, I remember, and this goes back farther than me. I remember one time when I was in high school, I did two years at Matinon, uh in Cambridge, Massachusetts, a Catholic school, until we came to a parting of the ways. And uh, then I finished up at Somerville High. But I remember one time uh, early on in Matinon, we had a dance for special needs people. You know, it was like our outreach to the whole thing. And at the end of the, at the, you know, we were all helping people have a good time and stuff like that. And then at the end of the thing, I, we were cleaning up and I was just sitting on the bleachers, you know, waiting to do something. And one of my classmates, who I didn't know, just grabbed the teacher goes oh no i think we left one behind oh god oh, nice. <laughs> right. no, like, no, no 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 i no, work no. here i belong here. <laughs> you, know, I, you know so so that goes back uh, a, a long way with me the the whole psychology of what you present and, and yeah. what people think of you and stuff but harder to make uh, the audience laugh or is it harder to make other comedians when you guys are done your show and you maybe go out for a drink afterwards you know Getting back to me smoking cigars by the dumpster, that's where all the, the stuff happens. Like Giggles Comedy Club, which is basically my home, away from home on Route 1 in Saugus, there's a, a, an alleyway. You know, there's a place where they keep all their, you know, uh, trash. food, yeah. trash, and there's a dumpster. It's a dumpster. I can't. So I've taken, a, I bring chairs, and I have chairs in the back of my car. Look what we're down and, to, folks. Yeah, and and we got to turn this around. And, and we sit out in the back of the, 
giggles between the dumpster and and the club and just you know talk to each other and it, that's where the creative process happens because we're comfortable. No one bugs us back there. We can say anything we want to anybody. You know, it's, it's probably it's the best. That's the best comedy it's of the, all. It's the best. That's how the real estate house party, the other podcast I do yeah. with Ricky Carter. That's how it got started. No kidding. He would sit back there and he goes, "We got to put this on the air somehow." Yeah, absolutely. And Check that, out the real estate house a, party because it's about real estate, but, but not really. Not really. Not really. Really. Just like this show is not really about, about cigars. cigars. Right. We're smoking a cigar. So <laughs> speaking of which, we are smoking the Davidoff. Ground, do you like it? Is this something uh, yeah, you would buy? I, I would buy this. Yeah, I, I you, to be honest with you, I like them a little uh, heavier, a little yeah. deeper. He tends to smoke a little stronger. stronger. He was all excited when the uh, Romacraft firecracker. Oh, the firecracker! The yeah. firecracker! I I gave a couple of firecrackers to friends of mine. They go, "This is the best cigar I ever smoked oh. in my life." So they do yeah. real deal, man. Smoking yeah. that strong stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's uh, you know it's uh, it's bang from from the first puff, right? You know, and uh, but but this is very smooth and very enjoyable. I would I would do this for breakfast. Nice. Okay, right now, let, let's get the Don Raphael Offer of the Day out on the table. It's time for the Don Raphael Offer of the Day, brought to you by Don Raphael C- Cigars. Everyone has a price. Would you do this? And if so, for how much? And today's offer is $1,000. This is known as the corporate in the corporate world as the Kramer. Put on a suit and walk into an office building like you belong there. You have to interject with people and uh, have at least one point during the meeting, and you are responsible. We are responsible for any legal fees that you might have during this thing if you get thrown out or anything. But you're there to participate in a meeting that you don't belong to. Would you ever do such a thing? Me? Yeah, I've done it. You've done it. Oh yeah, I get hired to do stuff like that all the time, where they they, they call it you know corporate chame- chameleon or whatever, and you go in in a suit and you just wreak havoc on a show. And they don't a, know. That and they don't know. I mean, eventually they they pick up it on it. Yeah, we I did one for International uh, uh, Motors, which was International Harvester. They make trucks, and uh, it's a big breakout meeting, their first meeting of this conference, and I'm just sitting in the audience with. Like the rest of the people, three hundred other people. Somebody figures somebody right. knows you, and then they introduce the CEO. Nothing, you know. We had worked it out in advance, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Blah blah blah. The CEO of International Harvester with a few words. Nothing. So there's like this, like three minutes of people just staring, and I just go. Ah, how hard can it be to run a meeting? I'll do it. And I walk up on the stage and get behind the podium and start running this meeting that people don't know anything. About, you know what I mean? So I come up with a tagline, which is, we got to sell stuff. (laughs) <laughs> that was the that was gonna be that was gonna be the point of and my, everybody's mouth they, just hanging right, open. Everybody goes and then somebody goes, Hey, that's a great idea. Oh, <laughs> and then, no. then they start getting the ki- into it. The kiss ass. The, the kiss right? right, right. There's some guy who, you know and uh and uh I go, that's if, if anything we gotta do is we gotta sell more stuff. That's what we're here to do. So get out there and sell stuff. I don't care what you sell. If you got to sell mud flaps, sell mud flaps. I don't care. If you got to sell lug wrenches, just sell those. We got to sell more stuff. And people are going, yeah. And by the end of it, like it takes a while. It for takes people a while to figure. to figure it out, and then, sounds- and then you know, then they sort of figure but out. But they you know, knew you were coming. No, well, international harvesting. Yeah. I mean, the, the the rank and file didn't know. 
yeah, I, I was coming. You know what I mean? So, and how do you prepare for something like that? Well, you do. You just get as much info. You know, it's the, those were your improv skills, which uh, is what you are. Right. I think you're the, I, the best. I, I, you're the best. I remember one where they had the CEO talk of this company. It was a, a you know, like a internet, you know, startup or something like that. And this CEO spoke for fifty minutes on absolutely nothing because they hadn't done anything yet you know what i mean but he's just self-aggrandizing and on and you could see the for rent signs in people's eyes you know they were just they had just glazed over and they were done and so i go up after the guy i go let me sum up the last 50 minutes for you everything's fine we're getting new phones yeah. <laughs> and the audience made this noise. It wasn't even a laugh. It was just like, blah. Yeah. And I look at the CEO. And he's got this look on no, his face. Like and I was not asking. And he, and he asked to pay you. And he asked to pay me. And he paid me. There we go. Yeah. My God. Uh, where are we? We're at, the, we're at the time. My God. Okay. Uh, final thoughts here on the Davidoff Nicaraguan cigar. A little bit of coffee notes. Mm. The, uh, the unsalted cashews still remain. There's cedar, but there's also a heavier wood component as well. I was going to go with sandalwood, but your description was so long. We'll just go with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going with smoke. Yeah, you don't get a lot this, of stuff. You don't get yeah, salted maybe, nuts. No, for I, sure. I, I do. I, did you get the Absolutely. unsalted nuts? Really? Yeah. I would I would have made it a Brazil nut, but okay. No, it could be, but anyway, it's nuttiness. There's nutty components. No, it's very, to it. it's very and, complex. And different than. The regular Nicaraguan cigars you normally smoke. Yeah, which are a lot, uh, uh, like I say, a, a little bit peppery. Peppery. They, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're more they, aggressive on they, the palate. On the palate, yeah. This is Davidoff's version of a Nicaraguan cigar. Yeah, but it, it's you. very pleasant. Yeah. It's very pleasant. I, I'm enjoying it uh, a lot. All right. We're going to take a break. And another one. We got another one. Wow. Uh, guess what's happening in the cigar industry? What's up in the cigar industry with Barry Stein coming up? A new cigar hitting the shelf soon. And uh, more from Tony V. We're live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. In the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Stepping into the aging room has a new meaning at Aging Room Cigars, as Rafael Nodal has traveled to Spain, where the idea for Aging Room Solera was born. The Solera method of aging has been used for centuries in the making of wine, sherry, brandy, and rum. The method mixes different vintages, allowing them to age together. For Aging Room Solara, Rafael takes several tobacco vintages and puts them in bales, where they age together for another 12 to 18 months. This allows the tobaccos to marry for a longer period of time. At the end of the aging process, Aging Room Solara becomes a balanced and complex cigar with a fantastic price point. Aging Room Solera, it will have you calling for an encore. In a time where humidors are overflowing and retailers' shelves are on the verge of buckling, there is one brand that stands out amongst the rest. Sereno Cigar Company offers four distinct blends. The Connecticut, the Medio, Maduro, and Maduro XX, all aged to perfection. Crafted at the La Corona Cigar Factory in Esteli, Nicaragua, each artfully crafted blend comes to life by the experienced hands of master blender Omar Gonzalez Aleman and industry veteran Anthony Sereno. To create 
create this masterpiece, a combination of hand-selected filler tobaccos from the fertile soils of Esteli and Jalapa are aged for over five years and then draped with a luxurious wrapper leaf to bring you an endlessly complex and majestic experience. A post-roll aging process of two additional years allows the blend to marry, creating unmistakable and ever-changing tasting notes that tantalize the palate, leaving you anticipating each and every drop. Visit SerenoCigars.com for a list of retailers, and you can always find Sereno Cigars available online at TwoGuysCigars.com. Sereno, a majestic cigar aged to perfection. You've heard us talking before about the best cigar magazine in the world, Cigar Journal. You want to know what makes Cigar Journal the best cigar magazine? Cigar Journal covers every angle of the cigar world. From exclusive stories and features, insightful interviews with industry power players, detailed cigar reviews, and of course, all the latest news and reports surrounding premium cigars. We're telling you, you will be impressed. Cigar Journal has stunning images, explanations of cigar science basics. This is the magazine for any cigar enthusiast. Or better yet, Passionado. Cigar Journal covers cigars in the U.S. and around the world and is printed right here in the USA. You owe it to yourself to discover the world's best cigar magazine, Cigar Journal. Available at your local cigar retailer and on the web at their new website, CigarJournal.com. That's CigarJournal.com. You're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Let me tell you a little bit about the Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary Cigar, or what they call the Three-Peat. Crafted in Rocky's boutique Nicaraguan factory, the 15th anniversary was released in 2010 to commemorate Rocky Patel's 15th year in the cigar industry, and it impressed right out of the gate. The Robusto and the Torpedo both scored 93 points in Cigar Aficionado, while the Toro and Corona Gorda both notched 92 points. The Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary is a robust cigar with notes of toasted spice, roasted coffee, and almonds. Rocky Patel himself has referred to his 15th Anniversary as the Decade on Steroids. The 15th Anniversary has also been named to Cigar Aficionado's Top 25 Cigars of the Year list on three separate occasions. Rocky's only brand to accomplish the three-peat. Rocky Patel's 15th Anniversary, Rocky Patel's 15th Anniversary, Rocky Patel's 15th Anniversary. The La Galera Habano uses a classic wrapper on a staple cigar for a classy company. Hi there, this is David Garofalo of the Cigar Authority, and I want, no, no, I need to tell you about La Galera Habano. The La Galera Habano is an authentic cigar elaborated with the hands of the best cigar rollers of Tobacalera Palma in the Dominican Republic. Blended around an outstanding, flavorful Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, the Dominican-grown Corojo binder, and the filler made up of Peloto Cubano, Criollo 98, and Peloto Oro, creating a medium to full-bodied, attractively consistent, and aromatic smoke that envies no other. I love this cigar. Have you tried La Galera Habano yet? Well, what are you waiting for? Available at Better Cigar Shops worldwide is La Galera Habano. The wait is over. La Galera Habano. Justo and his father, Julio Eiroa, are continuing the tradition of growing authentic Corojo and now bring you Aladino. 
Aladino is a true old-fashioned cigar, pure authentic Corojo grown in the Eiroa Tobacco Farms in Honduras, from the original Cuban seed of Corojo. An Aladino cigar represents the golden era of cigars in Cuba, and after one light, this old-school smoke will bring you back. Aladino cigars come from JRE Tobacco, a family-centered company who manage all aspects of cigar growing and manufacturing. This crop-to-shop operation is fully committed to providing you with quality and satisfaction. The premier Corojo grower in the entire cigar industry is Julio Eiroa, a tobacco grower and master cigar blender who personally guarantees that Aladino will provide you the opportunity to enjoy the true authentic Corojo taste. Take this journey and be part of history in a cigar smoking experience like no other. Aladino. This is good smoke. This is the Cigar Authority. Smoke a cigar? Sure. The authority on everything cigar in and out of the cigar industry. You'll get nothing and like it. With your host, you smoke vile cigars all day, David Garofalo. Oh, that's fine, as long as you're imported. Mr. Jonathan. You should have caught me before my operation. Barry Stein. I never drink. Why? And Ed Sullivan. Mighty Melendia, my light up. So it's time to light them up. <laughs> Good. The Cigar Authority is here. You are finally done. It's all about nothing. And we are back. With our number two broadcasting live from the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. What's up in the cigar industry and what's happening in the comedy scene? Welcome back to the Cigar Authority. And you're listening to the Cigar Authority, now in its ninth year, making it the longest continually running cigar podcast. Awarded the Ambassadors of Cigars by Cigar Journal Magazine. Awarded the Top 10 Educational Podcast by Podbean four years in a row. The Cigar Authority is the most listened to cigar podcast in the world. Cigar Radio at its finest. The Cigar Authority is a proud member of the United Podcast Network. You catch the podcast on demand at any time or our daily blog on thecigarauthority.com. And cigar number two, I can't wait to get to. I've never smoked this before. And Barry never smoked it before. And uh, Tony V never I, smoked I it before. I certainly have not. No. And the other two guys. Uh, Ed Sullivan and I could not hold could off. Could not hold off and had to do it. Barry, what do we have here? Well, today's second cigar is Byron, and it's manufactured in Costa Rica by Selected Tobacco. The size is the 7 by 54 Epic Poemas, and the wrapper and binder and filler. Epic. 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 <laughs> you can't just make up your own pronunciations <laughs> for stuff. Question. If the word was P-I-Q-U-E, it would be peak. It wouldn't be pick. It's epic. A E P I C is epic. Right. I Q is I Q. And where are these from? Costa Rica. Maybe that's how they say epic in Costa Rica. We'll have to ask Nelson how he it's says epic. It's not. He pronounces it friggin' epic. <laughs> well, the wrapper and binder and filler is not disclosed. And if Nelson told you, he would have to kill you. And a single cigar will set you back thirty-three fifty. Why a box of twenty-five is eight hundred and thirty-seven fifty. Nothing nice. but the best for you, buddy. If you're wow. too far away from brick and mortar retailers that carries it, try twoguyscigars.com. That's the number two guys cigars. Dot com. This there might we, be the ver, uh, very most expensive thing I've ever had in my mouth. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It doesn't get much uh, more expensive than this. But, take, uh, a whiff, take a whiff off the foot, and I'm going to oh. say a description. And I hate to even say it, but this is exactly what it smells like. You take a, a pack of cigarettes. You take all the cigarettes out and stick your nose in the pack. That sweet. Yeah, the Turkish tobacco. Figgy, you're, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. absolutely correct. That's what the foot... Were you ever a cigarette smoker? 
Did that noise just happen? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That means I, that means I got it right. You hear know, things. Yeah, sometimes. The, no, nothing. The, the no. 80s catch up with me in a big way. <laughs> I, I might not even be here. I don't know. Having a flashback? Yeah. <laughs> One of the free side I, effects of the drugs. The, I suspect that's the noise you hear when you die. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. That harpy thing. <laughs> call 911. Call 911. You know, we talk about that. People always ask me, they go, you know, I, I had a couple of brothers, you know, and they were always goading me into that to go, you know, when it's your turn to die, when, it, you know, it's your time to come, are you going to face it like a man or a mouse? And I got sick of it one day, and I go, you know what? I'm facing it like a mouse. Because when you think about it, generally speaking, the last thought a mouse has is, mmm, peanut butter. Right. <laughs> Boom, snap. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, it's not a bad way to show up at the pearly gates. I'm with you. What were you thinking before you died? Peanut butter. Come on in. We, go. <laughs> we got chunky and smooth. You're going to really like it there here. There we go. It's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand. While all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. Nice. Excellence. So the cold drawer? Nice. Peanuts right out of the shell. Because he said peanuts, you mouse. Yeah, but <laughs> peanuts right out of the shell. Yeah. And not the, the little <laughs> yellow circus peanuts. No, those are marshmallow. One. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I love those yeah. even better. Yeah. Those, those are, I'd love a cigar that tastes like that. Yeah. If I could get like a cigar that tastes like peanut, like, like peanut candy, yeah. that'd be great. I hate to interrupt all this oh, funny sorry. business sorry. with a commercial. Sorry. We're going to light our cigar today with the Vertigo Gauntlet. The Vertigo Gauntlet features three inline jets, a distressed finish, which means you don't have to worry about the lighter looking like crap years from now. It looks like crap right away. <laughs> there we go. An so, easy adjustment wheel at the bottom and a flip-out bullet punch, all for the low price of nineteen ninety-nine. It goes another ad. Vertigo Gauntlet. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we lose them left and right when I'm on a show, there please. We go. That's it. So, um, do you ever do Vegas? Uh, I used to work a place called uh, the Riviera for many years. Ah. One of the last of the old school places. And it closed down about five or six years ago. And I've not, you know, I've not really tried to go back. Uh, But it was like one of the, it was one of the greatest clubs on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. It was like real. It was like a real comedy club, sort of dingy and no windows, and uh, just the way it should be. Yeah. Yeah, and we used to have a ball out in Vegas. And you meet comedians from all around the yeah, world. Yeah, everybody would, would, uh, would go there. I'll tell you this story, uh, if, if we have time for it, uh, and since we've got about 55 minutes, I yeah. assume we do. <laughs> uh, I was out there one time, uh, and this is a little bit of a name-droppy story. But I was out working at the Riv, and it held like you know 120 people. The Riv, that's the what Riv. You know that, you made yeah, it. That's yeah, it. the Riv. Bobby De Niro, yeah. you hanging out with Bobby. Bobby yeah. Well, <laughs> it was the, it was the it was the uh, the movie Casino. It's the when ever you see him in the casino, it was the Riv. Yeah, it was the Riviera. So I'm working out there with my buddy Jimmy Dunn, who I do uh, the two Boston guys whack up yeah. by podcast. podcast. Catch that. Uh, after Ed tweaks the audio, bit. yeah, a little bit. Um, so I'm working out there w- with Jimmy, and it was an opening act. And I was about to do a movie uh, called "The World's Greatest Dad" uh, with Robin Williams, uh, that was written by Bobcat Goldthwait and directed by him and stuff. So just they they had already hired me. They had already decided I was going to play this role in the movie. So I'm working at the Riv to like 80, 80 people. 
Robin has got a show uh, up at the MGM uh, in the arena, you know, to 20,000 people that week. So he comes in. So you're doing gigs in between. So we're doing gigs yeah. in between this, right? So so I'm there for the whole week. You know, you get booked for a week in Vegas. So Bobcat calls me and he goes, hey, I'm coming into town with uh, Robin. He wants to meet you. You know, I mean, we'd been in each other's company, but he goes, he wants to chat about the movie because I had a, a pretty decent role in it and stuff. So I go, yeah, sure. So I'm doing my Friday night show and there's like 80 people in the audience and the show's going real well. And I look up and in walks... Robin Williams, Bobcat Goldthwait, a uh, buddy of ours, Toby Haas, who's a, a voiceover guy and very funny actor. Another buddy of ours, Dan Spencer, who's also a very funny comedian. And they just walk into the riff and sit in the back. Nobody knows they come in. So I'm doing my show, and I go, well, you know, the, the courteous thing to do is to ask them if they want to do a set. Now, Robin's going to work to 20,000 people. Wow. I got 80 people in front of me. So I just go... I go, folks, we have a couple of special guests uh, in the audience. Uh, I don't think you'll mind after this, but I go, hey, Bobcat, you want to do a set? He goes, yeah, that'd be great. So I go, please welcome my good friend, Bobcat Goldthwait. And there's a modicum of applause, and he gets up on stage, and it's Vegas now, so people don't believe it's him. You know what yeah. I mean? Because at the Riviera, there's a Neil Diamond... Uh, you know, uh, impersonated. impersonated downstairs. They got the, the drag show upstairs. So even, you know, guys look like women. So you don't know yeah. what to do. And the Riviera's barber looked exactly. Jonathan knows what to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah. Well, it's something for everybody. Yeah, you know what I mean? It. And, and, and at the Riviera, a, a guy had plastic surgery to look like Wayne Newton. So the barber was Wayne Newton. Wow. You know what I mean? So people didn't know what to do. So five minutes into, Goldthwait's act, they're like, oh my god, it's really it's him, really you know, and uh, and this, uh, again, was the early 2000s, and it, he had a, you know, a lot of success, and blah, blah, blah. So he does, like, 15 minutes, and he goes, we have another very special guest, please welcome Robin Williams. Now, they really don't, don't believe, believe it. Right. They, they can't, like, their heads are exploding, you know, so, so Robin gets up on stage, and people are just silent. They're not even applause because they really think <laughs> it's a Robin Williams impersonator. Yeah. Like, what would he be doing here? So about two minutes in, he goes, hey, it's really me. Lighten up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they, 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 they do their act. And people are, you know, they very gracious, taking pictures with everything, with everybody. So then we go back to the MGM. We, we're going to go gamble up there. And Robin's staying in the, uh, they have like uh, suites behind the hotel. You know what I mean? It's like the hotel within the hotel. You got to go through a special gate and all of this stuff. He's got a swimming pool in his suite. Uh, and, you know, and I'm in a, in a in the Riviera. You know, yeah. it's like it's like a trailer park with a hotel around. <laughs> yeah. You know, so we're amazed. So we decide to go gamble, and we find this uh, old school uh, horse racing game. It's electronic horses. You know, and you put quarters You're in. Right. It only takes quarters. And you put quarters in, and the odds change so every horse can win every race. Yeah. So we put the quarters in. We get like, I think we get about $500 worth of quarters and just throw them on the table. We all just start betting on the horse race. So we each take turns calling a race. Robin's up on the table. You know, and here comes, uh, you know. And, and this is where regular right, people right, are. Right, right, right. Regular people. So we're into it and we're howling at each other, which is what we do. We look up. There's 2,000 people oh have surrounded God. us and it's like a show now. You know, 
So, so luckily, before cell phones, no one's recording. No one's recording it, it. It's and, and some very vile stuff. If I could tell you the names, <laughs> yeah. if I could tell you the names of the horses that he came up with, <laughs> yeah. they, would, they, they would cease this this podcast, you know. And so then we go to gamble. This is the end of the story. We we go to gamble, and they open up a special table for us, so you know we're not bothered, whatever that is. But we can all bet at our own. Pace. Like, I can bet 10 or 20 bucks. Robin can bet whatever he... Right. He's got a magic pocket with $100 chips just coming out. Yeah. And, and, and you got to understand this. It's, it's me, Robin Williams, Bobcat Goldthwait, Jimmy Dunn, a uh, very funny comedian. This guy, Toby Huss, is one of the funniest humans on the planet. And my buddy, Dan Spencer. And we're all getting killed playing blackjack. I mean, we're just... You know, people are busting... Le- you know, yeah. the dealer starts telling us jokes. He's going, you know, these awful street jokes. And we're, we're just busting left and right. So without missing a beat, Jimmy Dunn looks up and he goes, look, pal, you want to start dealing us blackjacks? We'll laugh at you all night. Until then, I think we got the humor covered on this side of the table. <laughs> I find it so odd that, and, and I see this when you come up to, to do your podcast and there's people around, people want to be funny around you. Yeah. Yeah, everyone wants to make the comedian laugh, you know, and it's really... Barry was so yeah, happy was when you gave him it. something well, to get something. He's all, so this is his claim to fame yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is forever. made a comedian laugh. <laughs> right. But, you know, people will always, they'll always tell you some horrible, racist, or sexist <laughs> joke that you might laugh at in private. But do you want to make, but, did you want to make Robin Williams laugh? Yeah, he, I mean, one of the good, yes. I mean, among each other, we do that all the time. You want to do it, you, right? Yeah, yeah, you want yeah, to yeah. be able to do you it. You want to do that. You want him to, you, you want the validation. Right, from like validation the, from is the, the right king. word. There you know is. what I mean? And he used to find me funny. He used to call me Gleason, you know, uh, uh, oddly enough. And uh, he would come to, like, tapings of the uh, late night that I did or, or whatever. And he was always very supportive. Nice. But he, But he would always... He would always give you the laugh, which was, you know, a genuine thing because we don't laugh easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? But when you can make each other laugh, that's that's sort of what you live for. That's well, awesome. Your laugh feels good. When my wife laughs at me in the bedroom, that one hurts. That, that, that's, that's, yeah. yeah, that's that's not right. That's, not, that's right. not right. All right, let's find out what's up in the cigar world. Yeah, we're going to talk about cigars with Barry Stein. It's time for What's, what's up? up in the Cigar World, brought to you by Recluse Cigars. You want to know what's up? Recluse Cigars is what's up. Voted the 2015 Cigar of the Year is... The Recluse Amadeus Reserva Habano. Every Recluse cigar goes through eight, count them, eight fermentation cycles over the course of two full years. They are box-pressed and rolled end to bar for a perfect draw every time. If you haven't done it yet, be sure to try a Recluse cigar today. And Altria is at it once again. This week at the Barclays Global Consumer Staples Conference in Boston, the company which sold out the cigar industry has admitted they are now exploring options on marijuana. Yeah, I figured they were going to go there. Yeah. You know, they own all the big, the big trademark names of all, uh, all the pot stuff. They like, got it all. like Kush, keep it Kush. Yeah, whatever. And uh, the unre- whatever that means. <laughs> he wasn't asking for examples. Wait, are they going to put? Are they going to put? Pot in cigars? If it's or? ever legalized on a federal level, you could probably expect to see marijuana cigarettes in the not-so-distant yeah. future. 
Ah, what a great country. Or a big blunt or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, could you imagine a, a, a joint this size? That's a fatty. Right. You'd never get out of the house. <laughs> and the unrest in Nicaragua has claimed another victim as Jewish State has canceled all cigar safari events until at least the fall of 2019. And that's what's up in the cigar world. What's up in the cigar world was brought to you by Recluse Cigars. The Recluse Amadeus Habano Reserva uses grade-A Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, a San Andreas binder, a Dominican Lajero Seco, and Pennsylvanian Broadleaf filler tobaccos, which create a blend we call the Cigar of the Year. Recluse Cigars is What's Up! And next week on the Cigar Authority, we're going to recap Two Guys Smoke Shop's anniversary party with Scott Weeks and his new cigar, the Recluse Los Cabos. Los Cabos, Mexico. So Mexican tobacco, I imagine, Barry. How do they do I believe the rapper. I have to double-check that, though. How do, how do the Mexicans do with cigars? They make good tobacco as a, as a whole cigar, not a fan. Right. Uh, because it has its um, earthy components Tastes like dirt. Ah. But, you know, a little dirt inside oh, That's a nice way of cigar. saying that. Yeah. Yes. But as an ingredient, I think it's fantastic. Right. So outside wrapper of a Mexican outside wrapper, fantastic. It goes with a cigar. Great. Right. Uh, is there something he had, Barry, that um, maybe one of the firecrackers uses? Uh, no, uh, not the firecrackers, but the Neanderthal, if you know that one. Yeah. The one with the white and orange band. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a San Andreas wrapper. Yeah, so Mexican wrapper. Interesting what happens with, with, uh, you know, they talk about blends of cigars. So country of origin, for instance, this is, we're smoking the uh, Byron Epic Epic Poema. Poema. And this is made in Costa Rica, but it doesn't use any Costa Rican tobacco. Or oh. We know for sure there's no Costa Rican tobacco, but they don't say what kind of tobacco is, is in it. The, the, the Davidoff we had is made in the Dominican Republic using all Nicaraguan tobacco. So country of origin doesn't matter, but it matters what the blend and make. Why aren't they rolling them where they're growing them? They don't have a factory there. Oh, okay. But right now, just like you love Nicaraguan tobacco, right. it's very hot right now. Right. And I've been in the industry 33 years. We have seen changes as the years go right. on. Right. right now, Nicaraguan's hot, well, and, and yeah. it was nothing before. Well, do you find that, like, you know, with the, you know, the, the great love of Cuban cigars, right? Mm. You know, and I tell people this all the time because people, you know, it's snobbery, too, sometimes. Like, oh, I got a Cuban, or you know, and it's like, it's like money. And, and they're really good cigars. But I think when the embargo started, you know, 55 years ago or yep. whatever it was, I think there probably was a huge difference between Well, everything Cuban was Cuban. Cuban then. That's where they made them. That's where they grew all tobacco, right. and everything was Cuban. Right. And it is like Coors was when we couldn't get right. Coors in, right. the, in the 70s. Right. It was the hot thing, right? Right. We because got you Coors couldn't and say, get them. Yeah, and Coors sucks, right? Right, right, But right. it was great when we couldn't right. have it. You can imagine that? Yeah, yeah, I remember smuggling a six-pack yeah. back on ice because it had to be traveled cold. And yeah, all, all that All baloney, that nonsense, right? yeah. And, uh, and we as an authority on cigars, when somebody says, oh, yeah, I smoke nothing but Cubans, they're being snobbish. Right. But they're also showing their ignorance. Right. They have no idea. Because right. things have changed. Yeah. Because from the moment Michael Corleone kissed Fredo on the lips. Absolutely. That was the day. Right. Everybody picked up their seats. Yeah. And, and booked it to Nicaragua and Costa Rica right. and the Dominican. Yeah. And they've learned. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of cigars that come very close to smoking like what we imagine a Cuban should right. be. Am I correct and, in and, that? And better. And better. And, and, better. and better. Yeah. See that you you one up me on that yeah. one. You have not gone to Cuba. I have not been no. to Cuba yet. But you no. travel on comedy I, everywhere. I do, yeah. I, I had a little run uh earlier this year where I was on like 
I was on a, it was a private cruise ship, like a company bought out a cruise ship, and they hired me. This is, this is, this is sometimes where I have a hard time convincing my wife that I actually go to work. Uh, and they were paying me, you know, decent money, not Elvis money, but certainly enough to go on the road. And uh, they put me on the ship for four days. I had to do 20 minutes of comedy one night. Of the whole 20 of the days. Whole tw- of the whole, day, the whole time you, I'm there. And can you bring somebody with you? Uh, nobody wanted to come. Oh, my I, God. I, I offered to have anybody come, but my kids were in school and my daughter was oh. getting ready for college and the whole thing. So Hell, I Dave went, would go with you. He yeah, hates going next, on vacation. Yeah, next time I will, I will tell you. 20 but, days. Yeah, so, so, I, and so I was in, you know, I was on in every island in the Caribbean. And, <laughs> wow. and, you know, and I literally did the 20 minutes. It went well. So I was like. You know, everybody on the ship loved me. It better go well. Yeah. Give you A stuff. That's that's the worst thing on a ship if you're stuck with people who hate you. Where I thought you were going to go is you're on a a ship for 10 days and you're doing two shows a day. Yeah. And the same people are coming in to see you. What are you going to do? Yeah. No, that's that's a whole different thing. When you do that, and I don't do like public ships a lot, uh, but, you know, you'll do like a, a one show at when you're leaving, then you'll do like a one show in the middle and then one at the end to avoid that. But a lot of ships now have comedy clubs on them, so people know. So it's like it'll be like a hundred seat theater, so people can cycle yeah. in and out. There's, you know, two or three thousand people on the ship, so you know it works out okay. But this this gig was was sweet as all hell. Tw- literally twenty minutes, and then I was on the ship. You know, the rest of the time. And then I ended up, they dropped me in Puerto Rico, and I got a plane and went to Aruba for for 10 days. Nice. And, and it was just great. All right, that ding-ding means it's time for the matchup of the week, brought to you by VS. VS means versus, but it stands for Victor Sinclair Cigars. And what do I have here? Oh... Thought I was ready here. I'm lost. Lost my page. I broke the show. You did. I broke the whole show. It's all gone to hell now. Um, Get another dead guy joke ready. My God, <laughs> we, need, we need some filler. Would you rather eat the same meal for the rest of your life, or never use social media again? You big social media. I see you out there. Yeah, I, I have foolishness all the time. Wait, it's so, fun, right? It is fun. Social I mean, media is fun. Yeah, with the push of a button, you can reach more people, you know, in, in, than in use it for business. Yeah, that's why I use it mostly. Like, I'm going to be at this thing, and it's free advertising yeah, yeah, to people yeah. that are hey, into come you. Come on by, you know, and yeah, you try to make a joke out of it or whatever, and and say, uh, uh, yeah, for business, it's it's really it's really good. Like I posted that I was going to be on this show, okay, and within 20 minutes, I had a hundred people. You know, you like it or comment. All or, right. Or hopefully, nice. hopefully they listen. Hi yeah. to all the, the new people, Tony V's people. Yeah. Come on board. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so for that, it's 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 uh, really good. You know. So, would you rather eat the same meal every day for the rest of your life? Yes. Or never post on social media again? Which one is I'm more valuable? Going, I'm going with. Uh, Oh, God, I love a good meal. <laughs> Can we pick the meal or somebody Anything, else pick Anything, you pick meal? it. You pick it, and you got to eat that for the rest of your life. Sushi, I'm in. Yeah. Really, you're a big sushi oh, guy? Yeah. Eat it every yeah, day. there's mercury going on there. Yeah. I got, I, you know brain. what? i gotta, I got to say, eat the same meal. I don't think I could live without social media. Really? Right yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, my, it's our life's blood. I could give up social media in one second. Really? One second. It's a tough one for a lot of people. They're they're so hooked to it, especially a younger generation, but you're old like me. Yeah. 
I still do, like, the first thing I do in the morning is reach for my phone and, and check. A lot of it's ego surfing, you know what I mean, to see what, what, what it is, you know, people are saying about me or if something's, yeah. something's coming. Instant gratification or instant right. kick in the, in the balls, right? right? right. But, but by the same token, it's like, you know, uh, this thing with the dead guy jokes, you know, you also got to su- suffer the negative. Yeah. You know, and the thing I don't like about social media a lot is you're never going to change anyone's mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? If they don't like what you post, they're not going to like it. And un- unlike you standing on stage and somebody end up blurting something out to you, which right. there'd, there'd always be somebody out there that oh, would sure. end up doing it, but you could destroy them. Right. When it comes to social media, they can hit you and hit you because it, right. they're hiding behind a keyboard. Right. There's no, you know, there's no accountability. Yeah. You know, you can say virtually anything. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, it's like, you know, having uh you know, phone guts. You know, you can yell at somebody over the phone, but you put them face to face. Yeah, the old telephone tough down. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, throw, you back them down easy. You know. And somebody told me that you are so fantastic with hecklers. Like you're the top guy out yeah, there. Yeah, I don't, I don't pick on people. You know, what I mean, that's not what I do. But if you, you know, if you come into my house and start on me, I, I'm just relentless. I always find it so weird yeah. that some amateur guy that's sitting there, he's a whatever. A carpenter, and he's in there and says, "Yeah, let me let me go after this yeah, guy." I've, I've had three beers. I got this. I got, <laughs> right, right, I got right. this. My 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 girlfriend thinks I'm funny. Right. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. But yeah, and and it's the the worst thing in the the world that is, you know, if you're not prepared for that. Like I said, I I, I don't like doing it. You know what I mean? It's not what I do, but. You know, it also gets pent up. So, it, you know, if I haven't had a heckler in, in two years and you're the poor unfortunate soul that decides to take yeah, out the last two up. years of, of my frustration, you get it all. <laughs> but you never gone into the Kramer thing of, remember? Yeah. Oh, went, yeah. He went yeah. crazy. He went, went nuts. Yeah. 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 And, you know, his his thing, you know, for what whatever he said was, you know, the sin of being a comedian and doing that is it wasn't funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you got a laugh on it, then you could defend it all you want. Yeah. Because, you know, if if they started on, on you, then you have every right to defend yourself. You know, it's when the people go, okay, okay, enough. That's enough. I go, oh, no, I'll decide when it's enough. Yeah. You know what you I mean? Decide you decide when to start. Start, right. Yeah. I'll decide I'll, when it's finished. When it's finished, yeah. Oh, I've thrown away whole shows and done 40 minutes on one human. Uh, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and the, the guy would just crawl out, you yeah. know, like. It's, it's over when you leave. Yeah, we. <laughs> right, right, and it might not even be over then because right. people you came with saw the whole thing. Right, yeah. Wow, isn't that you know. interesting? Wow. So, what's upcoming for Tony V? Uh, I got uh, a bunch of stuff that I'm I'm very proud of, and I'm sorry for your listeners in other parts of the world that don't understand this, but uh, I will be on October 5th at the Boston Garden. Wow! O- opening for my friend Bill Burr. Have you ever done the Boston? I've Garden? done. I've done comics come home. Uh, a couple of three times there. Okay. Uh, but this, my friend Bill Burr, if you don't know Bill Burr, any of you. Very funny. Very funny guy uh, from Canton. Uh, and, and, and this is, this is uh, two Boston guys, too, uh, how, how we handle things. I was out in Hollywood for the premiere of the show, Misfits and Monsters, that I have a couple of episodes of. And I just text Billy and I go, hey, I'm going to be at the Roosevelt Hotel for this premiere. Uh, you know, if you're not doing anything, come by. We'll smoke a cigar. You know, and he goes, I'm working on this thing, but if I come by later, I will. So he comes by, we, we, we sitting on the steps of the Roosevelt Hotel on Hollywood Boulevard, smoking a cigar. Nice. And we're about halfway through and he looks at me, he goes, Hey, you want to open for me at the Boston Garden? And I go, Yeah. 
A okay. Bo- a Boston guy living in Boston <laughs> right. gets to open the Boston you, you Garden. Guard, right. Oh, my God. Right, right. right. So, and, and that was the entire exchange. And this is what did it. Yeah, and it was a cigar. We're sitting there because he, he enjoys a, a, a cigar, too. And and that was that was the entire exchange. You want to open for me? The, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then you, we went right back to not. smoking. Nah. Right, right, right. Yeah, let me see what I'm doing that night. I might have giggles that <laughs> yeah, night. Yeah, let me, <laughs> let me see if it's trash night. Wow. You know, and I can walk to the Boston Garden from my house. Wow. You know, I live in Charlestown, so I can see the back of the garden from my house. So it's like, I, I go, yeah, of course I do, you nitwit. Yeah. You know, so I'll be doing that. And That's then, awesome. And uh, then on the uh, 11th, uh, we have the, the premiere of uh, a movie called Sweeney Killing Sweeney. Yeah. With Steve Can't Sweeney. wait to see that. Yeah. Uh, it's at the Somerville Theater. And you are in it. I'm in it. I play his manager. Yeah, uh, you must be in it throughout the whole Yeah, I'm a, I, I got to, like, you know, the, yeah, I'm his manager. Yeah. So, you know, we have probably, you know, 10 or 12 scenes together. And, because uh, I did see you, I, I did see you in Chappaquiddick. I was very short. And in, I memorized your lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let, let me see if I memorized them. 10, nine. 9, 8, 7. You know, I, I did a movie once with uh, 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 David Mamet, uh, State in Maine. Yeah. It was probably about 10 or 12 years ago. And I had one line in it, which is, uh, it's water. That's literally what I had to say. In, in, in the Boston accent? In the Boston water. water. Yeah. Yeah, because they come to this quaint New England town, and it's this big scene. And it's got everybody. Sarah Jessica Parker's in it. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, uh, Alec Baldwin. Uh, just all these people. You know, and there's people coming in, people coming out. I got to come in with this water. And they go, it's supposed to be Perrier. And I go, ah, it's water. You know, and, and move out. You know, that's the whole That's the, the whole thing. And I had an audition four times. To do that four times. What are you looking for? It's I go, water. It's water. I go, you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and then, you know, as I'm on the set, I go, there's probably six people who didn't get this part. I know, right? You know what I mean? How, how do you mess that up? Or, or what is it? The a, third time. The third, it's Kool-Aid. It's Kool-Aid. Ah, shit, I messed up Something. with it. <laughs> so so we're, we're, we're doing this. And, and literally, that's all I got to do, right? So he wants us he wants to film this scene all in one take it's like a french farce doors open people come in with flowers and they move out and everyone says their line and goes about their business and nobody's paying any attention to me you know because like i said who's on the set so we rehearsed this thing for about four hours timing the whole thing and he goes okay we're gonna break for lunch come back and then and then uh, uh we'll shoot it so we come back after, and no one has said a word to me since I got in the costume, nothing, you know, because I'm doing my job, which is saying it's water. And and so after we come to, this is when it's not so good being me sometimes. Uh, we do the scene, and the first time we're doing the take, I walk in and I go, ah, oh, geez, I'm supposed to say something about a fluid. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole thing just stops. He goes, cut. He goes, what? What are you doing? I go, oh, man, I just wanted to get directed. (laughs) (laughs) And this sly little smile came on his face. He goes, you want to be directed, do you? I go, yes, sir. He goes, all right, come in my movie, say your line, get the hell out of my movie. (laughs) I go, thank you very much, sir. You'll have no trouble for me from here on in. And I got to laugh at everything. And everybody just how, you know, it broke this tension because everyone was feeling it. And then, you know, (laughs) the next time I come in and we we did it perfectly. And never heard from the guy again. And never heard from the guy again. (laughs) Which is how it ends up going. But I need the... I got 
got the laugh. I got the I laugh. Got the laugh and Which that's is what it's all about. You, you, you got to laugh. You got to laugh for me. I was watching a movie with my wife, and you show up as the dry cleaner. Oh yeah, I, I feel. So I feel pretty. I back the movie up to the spot. I take a picture of it. I send it to you as a private message right. the whole while saying i know that guy that's tony v i see him every week he's on the real estate house party podcast i'm so excited that i recognized him and she goes will you stop trying to pretend like you know everybody <laughs> yeah. i go i swear i, I know him right. she goes you just know him from facebook that's I the only he doesn't even know who you are i go he knows who i am <laughs> yeah. so i send you the thing and you send some ambivalent response back right, right. oh that's great yeah she goes see he has no, no idea, idea who, who you are <laughs> <laughs> no i responded to your welding thing yes you right because you it was your first time you welded first time I could, welding i i could do here's the thing that said about me you know and nobody knows who the hell i am i just like doing my job or whatever but i've heard this story a million times like someone will be in a movie theater and they'll I'll pop up and you know for a cameo or a small scene or whatever, and someone will, will, will inevitably go, "Hey, look, it's Tony V," and someone else will go, "Who the hell's Tony V?" Yeah, you know what I mean. That that happens all the time. All right, what do you think of uh, the cigar? This, you know, different. It's a, it's different. Yeah, I you. Uh, the, the first thing I like is I like the veiny uh, wrapper. Yeah. I like it sort of oily and uh, veiny like that. Yeah, and uh, toothy. See and little is bumps? that what it is? That's toothy, called call toothy. It. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. It's it's very smooth. Uh, it's a lot of cigar. I banged yeah. it like three times. Yeah, yeah. Little mess I got I'm, around uh, me. I'm picking up a very very subtle note of cinnamon mixed with cream soda, complete with the bubbles. There's an effervescent quality to it. Screw you, Ed Sullivan. Uh, I'm picking up birds chirping. <laughs> yes. I don't hear a thing. <laughs> again with the yes. Here we go again. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right, we're going to take our last break. And we when we come back, it's a meeting between a gorilla, Spuds McKenzie, and Ronald McDonald. We're going to ask about that. A peek into the asylum, a classic three-way and more. We're live from Studio 21 with Tony V. And you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Let's talk a little about Rough Rider Cigars. So here is where the motorcycle culture meets Cigar Nation. This badass looking cigar uses the name Rough, but delivers a smooth as silk ride each and every time. Even before lighting one, you can't help but notice its sweet like honey flavor. Smooth and creamy, resembling slightly sweetened butter. Outstanding. The Rough Rider Cigar is so beautiful in so many ways. We're talking a premium cigar, imported, long filler cigar, but wait till you hear the price. Every cigar is in the $3 price range, that's right. Even the Churchill in the 6x60, every cigar is in the $3 price range. Rough Rider Cigars, there's nothing rough about Rough Rider except the name. Rough Rider Cigars. The following message is brought to you by Drew Estate. Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars in the new Drew Diplomat app. Join me, Barry Stein, from the Cigar Authority on Drew Diplomat. As you know, I am quite partial to Liga Provider number 9 from Drew Estate. So join me for a Liga and share your experience with Drew Estate. 
And while you're at it, don't forget to check into Two Guys Smoke Shop on the Drew Diplomat app. Drew Diplomat is now available for the iPhone and Android. To learn more about Drew Diplomat, visit DrewDiplomat.com. That's DrewDiplomat.com. You must be at least 21 years of age or older and a resident of the United States, including D.C. To be eligible for membership in this program, other terms and conditions apply. Surgeon General warning, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Since 1903, when La Aurora Cigars first opened their doors as the first cigar factory of the Dominican Republic, they have defined Dominican cigar manufacturing. Now, La Aurora continues that innovation with La Aurora Dominican DNA, featuring an exceptional blend whose soul is the Andullo. La Aurora pays tribute to the oldest Dominican tobacco process with a cigar that features tobacco that is part of their heritage and their DNA. The La Aurora DNA features this hard-to-work tobacco that brings the unique characteristics of strength, inspiring aroma, and sweetness that creates an exceptional smoking experience that only La Aurora can bring you. Experience La Aurora Dominican DNA with its Cibao Valley Dominican wrapper, an authentic Cameron binder from Africa with fillers from the Dominican Republic, Pennsylvania, Nicaragua, and Anduyo. Available at top retailers like twoguyscigars.com and is distributed in the United States by Miami Cigar and Company. It's time to light that cigar and stay tuned. Ooh. The Cigar Authority will be right back on the United Podcast Network. Jose Dominguez, Jose Dominguez, Jose, Jose, Jose Dominguez. What the hell are you doing? I'm writing a commercial for Jose Dominguez. Well, what you should be doing is talking about how good they are. That Jose Dominguez makes millions of cigars for other people, but saves the best tobaccos and the best blend for his namesake. Jose Dominguez, not singing a song, if that's what you think you're doing. What I am doing is creating what is known as a donut. Hey, nobody's going to take away your donuts. No, a donut in a commercial is when it starts with a jingle and then the information comes in and then ends with the song again. The information is the filling of the donut. Why does everything you talk about have to center around food and usually donuts? I don't know. Listen, Jose Dominguez cigars come in four great sizes and two wrappers. The mild, buttery, smooth, natural, and the slightly bolder Maduro. And every cigar is about $5. You know as well as I do, Dave, Jose Dominguez is no $5 cigar. It's worth so much more, it's a sensational value. Okay, here's the end of the donut. You ready? Jose Dominguez. Jose Dominguez. Legendary brand opens a new chapter in its storied history with the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. The nearly 175-year-old H. Upman brand in collaboration with storied cigar maker A.J. Fernandez bring a medium to full-bodied, sweetly balanced, and yet complex smoking experience. Boasting an Ecuador Sumatra wrapper, this cigar produces incredible aromas and nuances of sweet spices. Today, almost 175 years later, the legacy of H. Upman lives on a brand new take on an age-old brand. Handcrafted in Esteli, Nicaragua, 
by Cigar Master AJ Fernandez. Available in four sizes, priced under $9. A legendary brand opens a new chapter in its storied history with the H. Upman by AJ Fernandez. Hi, this is Tony Serino. And this is Carson Serino. From Serino Cigars. You are listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And we're back. Live from the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. We're smoking the new Byron. This is the, what? the Epic. Epic. Poema. Or Epic. If you pique somebody's interest, how do you spell Peak. This isn't piquing someone's interest. But it's three, this is they have three, epic. They have three poemas. They right. have the petite poema, right. the short, small poem, short right. poem, and they have the, the poema, poema, the regular poem, well, and this yeah. is the epic, which is a t- style of yeah. poem. Homer, so, so Homer petite, the Odyssey, right. was an epic Grand, poem. He couldn't just do epic spelled normally because he's Spanish and the Spanish. Cuban. That they do things yeah. differently there. We you could just we'd, we'd ask me, and I'll anyway. teach you how to pronounce it. We pronounce it wrong anyway, Barry. I'm I'm right with you. <laughs> so you were yes the guy in the gorilla suit on the on the um, luggage. What was American Torsta American luggage, tour luggage yeah. throwing the throwing the stuff around. Yes, they they. If people are old enough to remember the American Torsta, they, they had a campaign with commercials where the gorilla would throw luggage around to prove how tough it was. Yes, that's back when everyone used hard-sided luggage, and it, it would be like you know you, you'd you'd see them at the at the um, at the. Uh, uh, I just got thrown for a second. An old friend of mine just walked in, and uh, hello. And uh, uh, so they did these series of commercials, and then they wanted to bring uh, a voice to the to the gorilla. Okay. So then they had a a, a, um, a nationwide search for a comedian to do this, and this was real early in my career. And uh, so I go to New York, and I do this show, and I I uh, get to the semifinals in this thing, and then I get to the finals. No, the semifinals, and the guy actually wins. The guy they want to do it actually wins the thing. And what you win is a contract with American Tourist Luggage to get in the gorilla suit, uh, do, do close-ups for the commercials, and then do these live appearances at luggage store openings and conventions and stuff. And it was, you know, it was decent cake at the time. But so I came in second, and they give me a set of luggage and say, thanks for your, thanks for your time. <laughs> The guy that they won and they want they really wanted was such a pain in the ass. He didn't last six hours. Wow! Like they had a meeting with them, and he was just untenable. They couldn't work with them. He was making demands, and you're going to be in a gorilla suit now. You yeah. Know? So 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 I get a call. I'm in New York. I had my apartment in New York, and I get a call at eight o'clock the next morning. They go, "Can you be on a plane at eleven to L.A. to get fitted for the gorilla suit?" I go, I'll be there tomorrow. Wow. You know, I mean, so so uh, they fly me out to uh, Los Angeles, and we do a, a final presentation at uh, the luggage convention. Phyllis Diller was the host. Oh, wow. Yeah. One of my biggest claims to fame is I actually touched uh, Phyllis Diller's skin. 
Oh, uh, it's kind of creepy sound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only thing I could say was it, it, it felt like a soft washboard, if that does anything for you. Uh, she had this outfit on, and I went to you know get a picture with her, and it slipped behind this panel of clothing. And I went like, oh, I don't think anybody should be touching that. Yeah. You know, and she was okay with yeah, that. Yeah, she was great. She yeah. was a card. So yeah. you know, so so you don't really say no to much when it I, comes no, to your no. career. You, you just can't. How do you I take I, the work? Listen. Job, it's the work. gorilla bought my house. I don't know wow. what to say. You know what it's I mean? Awesome. I, don't, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, and I had f- three contracts, four years with them. Wow. So, you know, and I... and I Were you telling jokes in the gorilla Yeah, store? you know, like I'd go be a wise ass at like a, a, you know, in Vegas at a store opening or a mall. You Hot know. inside there? Uh, oh, God almighty. And I had about... You were, sh- I had you about were shaving six- your body at yeah, that time, No, too? I should have no. back then. <laughs> that uh, was waxing, by the way. Right, waxing, whatever. right. But, uh... Yeah, yeah. The the suit was uh it was me and a leotard. Don't try to picture that. Yeah. <laughs> and then over that leotard was another leotard with the musculature of a gorilla because it looked really real. And then over that was a hair suit made out of yak fur. Oh my! Because I I guess you can get yak fur, but not real gorilla fur. Yeah. They probably have a better union. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it works. And so so it was as hot as I could be. And then you know the 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 the, the feet and the and the hands were uh, were um, rubber. And the only part that showed were my eyes. You know, and then they were covered black. And so it was just, it was hot. I'd be squishy by the end of the show. You know. Now at that time, the, there's a lot of celebrity. Yeah, so I would go. I know what story you're going okay. to, and I've and I've told this story uh, in different outlets, but it's it's a hundred percent true. We're doing a show uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, in early September, and I know that because one of the things we have to do is the Jerry Lewis tel- telethon. The local, they're going to cut to us in Atlanta, sure. and the morning starts. I'm doing a radio show. You know, the morning zoo from Atlanta or whatever. Yeah. And it's as these, the gorilla. As the gorilla. And, and they were such sticklers, though. I'm doing radio and I still got to be in the gorilla suit. Yeah, nobody can see yeah, me. Right. But they go, no, no, it's going to be a remote from the place where the Jerry Lewis telethon is. So you need to be in the suit. So I go, okay, you know, you're paying me. I, yeah, I, it's fair. I you suit take, up. You take the head, head off. off. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and at the time I had shoulder length hair and a beard and, you know, I wasn't thinking right. So uh, I looked. More like a gorilla without the head on yeah. than I did with the head, off, I mean, off than on. So we, we do this thing, and it's a remote from the from this uh, parking lot of a mall where we're going to be doing this thing later. So the, the jocks, these two southern nitwits, uh, you know, uh, get hammered. It's 6 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning. They start drinking uh, beer and cocktails. There are people on... You know, with flatbed trucks all around as the audience with the with the rebel flags on them and you yeah, you know that yeah. kind of thing, and the jocks get wasted, wasted. You know, one guy just wanders off, right? The other guy ends up in the back of a pickup truck and they drive off with them, and I'm left there in the gorilla suit yeah, by myself. Yeah. And the studio calls and they go, "Hey, where, where's you know where's Tommy and the Yahoo?" And I go. I don't know. They're gone. They go, who's this? I go, it's the gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> and they go, well, do you know how to backtrack a song? I go, come on, man. We're in Atlanta. It's probably Charlie Daniels. I'll say it's Charlie Daniels. I got a one in four shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I finish out the show. Wow. You know, they do reading commercials in the gorilla suit and the whole deal. So c- 
cut to three o'clock in the afternoon. We're doing this live presentation now, and and the, the honored guests are me in the gorilla suit, right? A guy in a Spuds McKenzie suit, because <laughs> uh, Spuds was very big at the you time. Sure. And Ronald McDonald. There's only the one. The, the Ronald real Ronald McDonald. McDonald. It was the, the guy. I mean, I, I mean, I was impressed as a costume character. You know, <laughs> and a big fan <laughs> of the McDonald's. Oh, sure. I'm, I'm, this is the I'm, Jesus Christos yeah. Oh, yeah. of I'm, costume I'm characters. I'm the Waylon Jennings. <laughs> the, literally <laughs> the Big Mac. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he's got the magic trailer that's air conditioned. Nice. And a stage comes out of it. And we're going to do a present they don't tell us what the presentation is so now it's atlanta georgia three o'clock in the afternoon it's got to be 97 degrees 98 percent humidity it's as hot as i've been all day i've been with the exception of my head i've been in the gorilla suit all day so there's there's got to be four or five hundred people all around the stage and what they tell us what we're going to do is a traditional southern clog type dance and so they they give us you know, a 40-second uh, introduction into how to do this clog-type dance. And then we're going to go up, Spuds, me, and Ronald, and <laughs> and do this dance. And the kids are going to come up and put money in the fishbowl. And Jerry Lewis is going to get the extra 60 bucks he needs right. to cure the disease. Right. <laughs> right, you know. So, so uh, there's a lady in a fancy hoop skirt, you know. With the, with the record player, and she's putting the music on. But what they don't tell us is every 30 seconds or so, someone's going to go, do you want them to go faster? <laughs> and, and let me just say this. In the history of the words, do you want them to go faster? No one has ever said no. You know what I mean? No one has ever gone, no, no. no that's, that's, that's fast enough. They're working hard they're, enough. They're doing fine. It's hard. Let, <laughs> let's let them be. You know, so they, do you want them to go faster? Yeah. The crowd goes, yeah. So the music could go fast and we start clog dancing. <laughs> oh, God. And, I, you know, I'm wheezing. I'm hot. <laughs> steam is shooting out of my eyes. Puddles have formed in my feet. You know, Ronald passes me at one time and drops complete character. He goes, you know, I'm not allowed to sweat. It scares the kids. <laughs> so, I, so I go, all right, dude, I don't have such a contract. But so we, we and we go a little bit faster. And you want me to go faster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I look over at this guy in the Spuds costume, and he has ceased doing a traditional southern clog type dance and is broken out into this wavy sort of grateful dead kind of meandering wandering and I pass I pass Ronald again I go I don't think the dog's gonna make it and so there's a final do you want him to go faster and they go yeah Ronald goes I'm sweating I'm out of here and he takes off he just leaves the stage four seconds after that happens the dog hits the deck oh god the guy goes out <laughs> like, 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 like a, like he wasn't pretending. Like he didn't take a knee. Yeah. He went ba boom, and the and the the magic trailer shook, and it was and they, this record player skipped, and the dogs. I think he's dead. I don't know what happened. I'm the hot as could be. The lady in the hoop skirt is like freaked out completely. There's dead silence in the in the audience, and the, and the woman looks at me. She goes, "You got to do something." I go, "Me? I'm in a gorilla suit. What am I? What do you want me to do?" I won. Right. So, so yeah, right. I'm here. Here and standing, what do I get? You know, and so I grab Spuds ostensibly under the paws, yeah. and, and I, I drag him off the stage, and he's literally clunking down the stairs, and I take him behind the trailer out of sight 
because, you know. Kids are horrified. Kids are, everybody's like, I'm horrified. I rip off my head. My makeup is sw- dripping and sweating. I, I couldn't be any hotter, right? I rip open the guy's suit, and he's out. I mean, there's whites of his eyes. Wow. And they go, give him mouth to mouth. I go, I'm not giving this guy mouth to mouth. This guy's going to die. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. You know, and I, I rip open, and I can tell immediately for two reasons that he's not an official costume character. A, he's wearing jeans and flannel oh, under God. his costume, right? And two, he reeks of the product for which he is ah, representing. He had go. been into the product a little bit. Yeah. What happened, this this organization bought so much bud, they sent along a Spuds McKenzie suit, and one of the ladies talked her crack her husband into getting into the suit. Oh, awesome. And he had been hammered the whole night. So this guy's out cold. So they go, you got to do something. And now kids are peeking around, and they're weeping, and you know we're waiting for an ambulance to come. Spuds is dead. Spuds is dead. Right? So I rip the guy's head off. I rip open his costume. He's soaking wet in flannel and everything. I pick him up by the scruff of the neck, and I literally start slapping him like you see in a movie. I'm whacking him as hard as I can. Three Stooges yeah, did this. Yeah, it yeah. must work. Right, right. I'm not mouth-to-mouthing the guy, yeah. and I don't know compression, so I'm whacking the guy back and forth. I let him go, and he goes right back on the on the ground. I go, I, look, I don't know. I, you got to get the ambulance here right away. So about four seconds after that, the guy sits bolt straight up, like like in a movie where, when you think someone's dead and they yeah. come back. He goes, it, like, it almost went boing like that. And, and the first words out of his mouth, he goes, I need a beer. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I go, oh, man, you need a lot of beer. You need a lot more beer. And, and you know, so that was sort of toward the end oh of me God. being the gorilla. Yeah, yeah, that's it. We that was check it. Out yeah. of this. That and, and I had a lot of lollipops stuck to my ass by little kids. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, that's that's an indignity you, you oh don't come back God. from. So I had a lot of, I had a lot of, gra- you know, I ended up. Uh, one day on the outside of the uh, Empire State Building on, like, the 88th floor on a catwalk, you know, to do the gorilla, you know, yeah. the, the oh thing out God. there, like, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. You, you take anything in those days. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, it was a job, man. You yeah. know, and I got to pay the bills. And, and I wasn't working. You know, I mean, I wasn't in a factory. I, I, I right. was happy for that job. And the people were really nice. Everybody's job always looks nicer from the outside. Right. Looking in, and then you hear Everything the, the, looks, beginning, the beginning starts of. Look, everything looks better when you're not doing it. Yeah. My you know job I mean? looks exactly like what it is. <laughs> it is exactly. You're happy with your job. Yeah. <laughs> Quite happy. All right, let's yeah. take a peek into the asylum from our friends at Asylum Cigars. They're coming to take me away, ha-ha. They're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha. To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time. And I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats. And they're coming to take me away, It's time for news from the Insane Asylum. Are there sometimes historic news stories that are too insane to be true, or are they? Brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Take no prisoners. Asylum Cigars are truly flavorful, medium-bodied Nicaraguan cigars, with sizes ranging from 4x44 to the absolutely insane 8x80. Barry, you sound like you've been wearing a gorilla suit for three days. Asylum Cigars. Going down on me? A little nervous about this one. (laughs) You're at the beach surrounded by women in bikinis hoping that maybe you'll get some tail before the day is over. That didn't work out as planned for a man in China who entered the water when he was attacked by a stingray. The attack left the creature's tail attached to his penis. 
When emergency <laughs> God. When emergency workers arrived, the man was on the beach with the stingray still attached. Not having the tools necessary, they had to improvise before trying a combination of things to remove the bob from his egg roll. After trying one idea from column A and two ideas from column B, <laughs> the man's fortune cookie will be without some nookie for some time, and that's not only insane, it's asylum. They're coming to take me away, haha. They're coming to take me away, ho ho. <laughs> My mom's not in the audience this week. We're clear. <laughs> We're clear. So somebody in the chat box asks Funniest comedian, past and present. Oh, God. You know, I'm a huge Bill Murray fan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, anything did he, he does. Did he, did he, he do did, comedy? He did uh, improv mostly. He was like a second city guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like that. And he, he's done some stand-up. Uh, I, you know, my, I go back to real old school type comedy, like the Marx Brothers and, oh. and uh, W.C. Fields and stuff yeah. like that. You know, that's where... Uh, and I think hands down Monty Python probably the funniest uh, thing that ever existed. I watched that one as a you know? kid too. Yeah, yeah, too and yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's stuff like that. But for stand-ups, I go back to prior. I mean prior. Uh, I'm a huge fan, although I don't subscribe to exactly his philosophy. Lenny Bruce, yeah, I think kicked open the door for yeah. for what what we start, what we continued. You know, he virtually died so we could say anything we want instead of just doing, you know, who's on first bits right. or, or shtick about my wife or this or yeah. whatever. You know, he kicked open the door to to you know talk about real stuff and and what's on your mind. So. I, I, I think at the top for me is Lenny Bruce like that. All right. How about guys that are out there now? You know, I, I'd be disingenuous to say I'm not a fan of the guy I'm opening for at the Garden, Billy Burr. Uh, Bill Burr, who I think is, yeah, is great. great. Uh, he's just great. And I tell people, and this goes for anybody wherever they're listening in the world, Bill Burr has one of the, the single most courageous things I've ever seen in my life in stand-up. And you can, you can uh, Google this, uh, Bill Burr Philly. And he's doing a show with Opie and Anthony. Yeah. Uh, I, they had some name to the tour. But he's on stage in Philly in the arena, you know, probably 15,000, 16,000 people. And they hate him. They, they're not digging it at all. They, they start heckling. And, and you know, the, the set's coming off the rails because they're not giving him a chance to get started. And talk about handling hecklers. He takes... 16,000 people to tasks about everything that's wrong with Philly. And he just ticks off. He ticks off his time as he's doing it. You got a statue to a fake fighter on your library steps where you got a real fighter. Your hockey team sucks. And it says exactly <laughs> word for word why they suck. I've got 13 and, and, minutes left. And he, and he and, pulled us out and of he his... Pulled, he pulled this out of his, his rear completely. Yeah. And then he'd go on and then they'd calm down for a minute and they'd start to try to go into the material to start up again and he'd go right back into it. And then I got eight minutes left and now they're booing him. Wow. And, and he just, he backed six 16,000 people down to the point where he goes, I have two minutes and 28 seconds left and I'll be selling CDs in the lock. (laughs) (laughs) And they completely won. He completely It's the single most courageous thing I have ever seen a comedian do in my life. And you can Google it, just Bill Burr, Philly, and it comes right up. And it's it's the best thing I've ever seen. And you'll be with him? And I'll be with him on October 5th. And the thing that just reminded me, my buddy Vinny Champ is in the room and we got a show for him at Anthony's in uh, Malden on October 7th. 
Right? There so he the goes. Vinny, Look at the, you the getting Vincent the dates nailed yeah, down. Yeah, boy. I'm impressed. I know things. I know things. <laughs> he, we do a, a fundraiser for his charity uh, every year, and uh, I will spearhead that with uh, Johnny Peasy and Lenny Clark and a whole bunch of other people at Anthony's and Malt. And how about the Steve Sweeney movie? Is and that going to open? Or? The, w- the premiere is uh, Tuesday the 11th. Okay. I will be doing uh, Facebook Live uh, red carpet interviews and stuff oh, in nice. front of it. I don't know what happens. I, I'm not privy to what you know goes on behind the scenes, but then I know they're going to do it again at the Cabot in uh, in. Have you watched it? Finished? Uh, I haven't seen the whole no? thing. No. Okay. I like to see it with an audience. They had like a cast and crew screening, but I don't like to see movies with just a cast and crew because we all think we're geniuses, and you know we're going to love it. I like to see reaction with with real people if I if I see them at all. Like so- I've never seen Chappaquiddick. Oh really? Yeah, I've never. Uh, I was I very. Seen your, your pod was. I had to watch it twice to find you. <laughs> <laughs> in the still, heat, you I win still the movie? get. I still get residuals. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. The movie, the heat, the heat. Yeah, with Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy. I play the uh, desk officer. Yeah. That lets the prisoner go and gets reamed by uh, by Melissa McCarthy. So how about the town? You're in the movie, the town. I, am. I can't find you there. Oh yes, you can. All right. I am the cable guy who explains how they break into the bank. Ah. Right. So the. There's a crew, the guy in a bucket truck, and I'm standing with John Hamm and Titus Williver, uh, who played the other cop. All right. And uh, they're saying, well, you know, how would, you know, I'm explaining they zapped the bipper to the D4, uh, you know, nonsense. Right. That uh, they do, and then someone goes, how would they do that? And I go, get a job at Vericom. So it's a whole scene. And that was one of the funniest auditions I ever had with Ben Affleck. Of all the movies you did, what was your favorite one to do? Uh, the one I referenced earlier, uh, World's Greatest Dad with okay. Robin Williams was right. uh, was not was Shakes the Clown, fun. huh? Shakes the Clown was good. I play a, a, a rodeo clown in that yeah. one. Yeah. So you're in a lot of stuff. Yeah. You ever yeah. do dramatic role? Uh, the the World's Greatest Dad is you know semi dramatic. Yeah. Uh, I've done a couple of uh, you know uh, I I did a a show called uh, C16 that was on in the 90s uh, for a while, uh, and then I did. Uh, uh, a show called Brotherhood that was filmed in Providence. I had, they had three seasons. I was on two of those. And uh, that was, uh, you know, a straight role. You I working on any, anything in the future that you can tell uh, us? I, I, nothing right now. I got a short that I'm doing. I got two shorts that I'm doing right now with some young uh, filmmakers. I'm waiting to hear about a, a, a couple of other things. Because a lot of stuff and, going on in Boston, and, right? Oh, oh, it's great. Here in Atlanta is uh, like the hottest places All in right. the world. And I, I just did two uh, indies, one called uh, The Vault uh, and the other one called, uh, I can't remember what it was called. We, got so, we got so much more to talk about. We're out of time, unfortunately. What? Out of time. Two Th- hours. That flew. Boom, gone. Man, that flew. It's it for me anyway. Wow. Uh, Byron Epic Poema, is it epic? It's epic. Epic. Uh, what I will say about Byron is, and you, you alluded to it in the break, as Byron's get bigger for this line, he tends to go milder in the strength. Because we all but know. He doesn't, we don't know. <laughs> shut up about yeah. that. <laughs> the, uh, but he doesn't sacrifice flavor. So you get just a more expanded flavor from what you would be recognize in his petite poema, for it's example. It's starting to resemble that as I get lower I, down. I find it getting stronger as yes, we go it down. It is getting a little stronger. A little I mean, stronger. We're, we're getting, because we're Now a lot of taking, flavor notes, a lot of cedar, a little spice. I yep. got some pepper yep. going on now. Pepper, yeah. It's starting to pick up. Yep. There's actually a little bit of uh, mint through the retro hail. Retro hail. Do you know what that is? No. That's blowing out your nose. I don't do that. Should I do that? Every cigar smoker should, yeah. Will. All the time or just no, once no, in a while? No, once in a while. All right. 
I have a hard you know, time with it. You know, back in the 80s, I did some damage to my nose. <laughs> and, I, and I don't want to relive that. There we go. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough to do, but you get obviously more taste buds as you, as you, as you blow through right. your nose. But, oh, it's tough. I'm going to do one right now. All right, let's see what happens. Did I get it? I think a little came out. Maybe. <laughs> there it is. There it was. Now taste. Now I taste it in my nose. <laughs> is that what they call it? The, Watch Jonathan the, choke. <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing ah, it. You can't do it. That was pretty good. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. Uh, how do they find Tony V? Uh, TonyVcomic.com is my website, or Tony V, you can look me up on Facebook or any or other. Yeah, find them, find them, be you his can friend, find him, yeah. and uh, follow him, and if he's in your area or something, look him up and tell him you heard him on the Cigar Authority, and uh, that'll be great. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, that's it. Next week, uh, we're going to report back from Two Guys' 33rd anniversary with Scott Weeks from Recluse Cigars and the new Recluse Los Cabos, a vacation and a smoke in one. Until then, you've been listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And if you've learned nothing else in the last two hours, always remember to keep the lit end out of your mouth. <laughs> expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.